Hello and welcome to episode 246 of the Nerpoco podcast. Been a really long time, as usual, scheduling things and our actual lives and jobs that we do for a living got in the way, and this is being posted way after we recorded it and way after all the things that we talk about almost uh, in this podcast have already happened. So we are we are too late by internet standards uh as usual just quick uh plugs you know let us know you're listening if you're listening nerdproco at gmail.com at nerdproco on x oh god we'll figure something else out at some point but in the meantime yes at nerdproco on x sigh in any event yeah uh as always if you enjoyed us, let your friends know, and then have your friends let their friends know, and maybe we'll do this more often. Actually, we're going to be doing another one of these uh, a little bit uh, after this, because this episode was so long, it's been split in two. It's over three hours. Not this particular episode, but but all of the episodes. So the first half of this uh, we're posting now, and probably going up on Monday after I'm recording this, and then the next one is going to be up uh, after that, and that is uh, about an hour. We had some technical problems with that because I'm a moron, as usual. Uh, So that's some really old stuff that we're covering, like the Flash movie. Uh, Yeah, that's going to be going up uh, probably a couple days after this episode goes up. And yeah, after that, there's going to be hopefully another one in two weeks or so. I'm saying that and I probably now have said it, having said that, have already jinxed it. This episode is already super long, so I'm going to cut off the rest of this intro and just say, enjoy it. Episode number 246. Stay nerdy, y'all. Okay, I think, yes. Hello. Yeah, I got you. And we are back. We, we. Hey, hey. Hey, yeah. It's been a while, and the last time I didn't clear the memory on the memory card. You have to clear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's one thing you learn from Walking Dead. You have to clear. (laughs) Double check everything. Um, it's just, I, we'd been recording, like recording a while and I just didn't notice, like I normally, like periodically, I just clear out the SD card. We have backup SD cards, man. Yeah. Just never know. How's it going, man? I'm, I'm good. Uh, it's been a good month. Uh, I'm semi-stressed out, like. Not really stressed out, but like hoping that all of the money comes together at the end of this week. Uh, I'm hoping if it all works out, then it'll be good. Um, Unrelated to the stuff we're going to talk about, MetroCar Classic was last weekend. And like a dumb, uh, I went, I was, the MetroCar Classic is this big. So normally around this time, there is a skate competition called the Boshi Pope Skate Off. This year, a bunch of the New York skaters got... Uh, last year, Bashi, Bashi Pope's skate-off was hosted by Billy O'Neill, who's a friend of Bashi's, and did a thing 10 years ago called the New York Invitational, New York Skate Invitational, 
So this year, they split that into two days. So one of the days was the Bocce Pope Skate Off. That was this past Saturday. And then Sunday was the New York uh, Skate Invitational. And then two days, it was a four-day event this year. Like, they really went all out. Uh, They got a place in Williamsburg for Thursday night. That was a photo uh, exhibit that was, like, the history of New York City rollerblading going back to like the early 90s of like aggressive skating it was great there's a whole bunch of people came out there was dj there was like this uh um, i'm i'm drawing a blank on his name but uh dylan cooper it's like a local uh skater no local like rap dude okay. uh apparently is like like an old head goes uh, back uh and not not like a famous but like a famous underground <laughs> Dude, his name sounds. Uh, I he goes back, I think, to like early two thousands. Oh, okay. Um, again, like one of those guys who's just like, I, his name sounds very familiar to me. I just can't place. I'm sure if I looked him up, I'd be like, oh yeah, okay, now I know where I know him from. But yeah, it's uh, so he performed, and then Friday there was a a open session with like a best trick competition at the newly reopened rail, redone rail at the Brooklyn Banks, which is like a famous, not just rollerblading, but just like sk- skating, skateboarding, skating spot in New York City. Uh, they still haven't opened up the rest of it, which is kind of up in the air. I think the NYPD now owns that air, that area. So, right. but they opened, they read, they redid the rail and they opened up that. And like, there's like a police thing there, but they don't, you know, because it's not, really anybody any it's like a park essentially and because it's it's public public, but the weird thing is that area has like it's not like people go hang out there the only people who historically have gone to hang out there uh aside from the area where the the basketball uh uh courts were were skaters so the cops never really bothered. And for a little while, there was an actual skate park, like, in that, in the banks. And I think the cops just, because, uh, c- like, the only other people who hang out there, aside from where the basketball parks are, like, homeless people and, and like, you know, drug users and drug dealers. And then they, you know, they, the drug, because there's a big cop presence down there, they're not there anymore. And it's just, like, there's no reason to mess with the, the only other people who come down here are skaters. So, and it's, like, they're not... They're in this. I, they're in this little enclosed area, so it's not like we're bothering anybody. So yeah, they don't. Uh, and uh, yeah, Saturday and Sunday was. I actually went upstate on Saturday, and then like a dumbass, I came back early Sunday, but went to the area, but the wrong location, and I saw people, but I didn't see people like actively skating, and I wasn't in the right spot, so I went home, oh. and then I hopped onto Instagram and saw that the finals no. was going on, and I was like. And the finals was, from what I could see, was they did what they did 10 years ago, which is their stuff, it's under the K, under, the, like, the BQE. Uh, there's an actual skate park called, like, the Under the K Skate Park. That's where they had the Bashi Pope skate off. And then the New York Skate Invitational, they had, they just built stuff. And they had, like, ramps. And then they brought in these two car, like, two junker cars, like, they did this la- the last time they did this too is they they built a ramp that launches people over the car and then they they like 
affixed a rail onto the top of the car so people could launch up onto the car and onto the rail and like flip or spin uh, off. Yeah, I it was. I love my bones and my. Yeah, yeah. I am not. Look, look, look. I I don't really do it that I'm much either. These are like teens and kids in their early twenties. Well, willing the, to the people who on. are actually competing, yes. The people putting it on, a lot of them are close to my age now. Which is cool because that means that the people who are actually running everything are like, for a really long time, it was all people in their 20s, and it was just like, it wasn't, well it wasn't great. Yeah. Uh, it was fun, and there was a lot, you know, back in the early days, there was a lot more money involved, or like bigger companies and stuff, like the X Games was still involved. But now, you because you have actually like grown people with kids, like, <laughs> so you got like kids, uh, this guy, Chris Edwards, who's like one of the first people to actually do like a lot of stuff. He was in a movie called Airborne, if you've ever seen Airborne. Uh really old school, like famous like movie that had rollerblading in it. Uh so he goes way back and like so he he was there, one of his kids who's now in his twenties was competing oh, and his other youngest kid was just like rolling around and doing like jumping on the car and like jumping off and he's like ten and I was just like, Oh, you got like he, you know, he's in like his fifties, and one of his kids is old enough that he can do like crazy shit. And then he's got like this ten-year-old is like, oh god, his his ten-year-old is gonna be a monster in probably like three years. He's gonna be a beast doing. Yeah, it was. I was super bummed. I missed the finals, and I was actually depressed for like more than a day because I was like, damn, I really wanted to still. But I got to hang out with the okay. people, you know. Some people who I only like either see once a year or some of those people just because it's these huge events, I I only see them like every 10 years or like every five years. It's, it's like a big because we're such a small culture. It's like a big it's a competition, but it's also especially this year with the four days of events. It's like a giant like family reunion type thing. And people came in from like all over the world. It was yeah, it was it was dope. Just don't fuck up the directions of that stuff. Yeah, I was super bummed about it. I or 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 just well, keep. How did you fuck that up? I well, I was kind of tired from coming back from upstate, and I saw people. And I should have just I should have just like skated around, or just like stopped and been like, is a comp still going on? Because for some reason, I saw one of the guys who I knew was going to be competing. But him and his, like, a couple of his friends were just walking around with their skates. They weren't, like, actively skating. And I should have walked up to him and be like, hey, man, is it done? And I didn't. I just, for some reason, my dumb brain went, well, they must have finished early. But it's like, it's rollerbladers. We never finish anything fucking early. Why would I assume we finished early? Like, because I got there, like, around four. And then I, yeah, it was in Williamsburg. And then I skated home. And I was just like, fuck, I'm an idiot. <laughs> Ask questions, everyone. Yeah, ask people. Uh, I am. How are you doing? Work next week. Yeah, I'm I, sorry. I did not have a summer, but you know what? I worked, got paid, can't complain. And I'm sure. actually pretty excited. You know, I this summer, while sweating in the summer camp component, I was just like, I made a promise to myself that this year, I go in in a better mindset. You know, I can't control the shit, and shit will be thrown to it in my face. Gotta, can't let that sway me. So, I, I was in a really dark place last year, 
I remember. I, I remember. I remember. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I never want to be there again. So I, I've, I've learned that it's a matter of how I view the problem. The problem isn't the problem. It's how I react to the problem. That's a problem. So instead of just letting it weigh on me, try to like take things more positively and... You know, hopefully that will translate to better interactions with my students and my families, and hopefully it'll be a better year, you know? Yeah. You're also, like, you know, you're another year away from, you know, the pan- pandemic. Yeah. I think there's that, too. Uh, it's funny that, that you talk about, like, going in with a better mindset. I saw someone, I saw a friend of mine perform, uh, I don't even shout out, uh, a likey. Who I hadn't seen oh, him I like, heard yeah, you that yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, she happened to be in New York and she was doing like a gig up in Harlem, and I happened to be staying up in Harlem on, on a job, so I went to see her, and it wasn't necessary, but but I I had to say this just because, you know, hindsight of how how I was when I knew her when I was like doing all those poetry slams and in my twenties and like working at a job that I hated and where I was just like, I was angry just all the time. And I just went, I just like kind of put my hand on her shoulder. I was like, look, I'm sorry. (laughs) And she's like, what do you apologize? And Jesus like, you don't need to apologize because you know, I was just like, no, 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 I'm apologizing. Even if there's nothing to apologize for, because I was a mess. Then, (laughs) then I didn't realize how much of a mess I was. Until way later. Older, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And, like, she was one of the people who, like, like, there, I don't think there were, there wasn't anyone who, like, I did wrong by at all. It was mostly just, like, certain social interactions with her that I had uh, and just in general so- social interactions that I had. you social interactions I could imagine. Yeah, <laughs> and, and this was like, a, like you, you, you knew me then, and like, there was a certain extent in which I, ex- I seemed normal, but like I was. Oh no! Not. Y- y- I mean, to be fair, you're a lot cuddlier now, but yeah, trust me, you were really grumpy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> really grumpy. And, and this was before. 20s. And this is this is this is before I realized that like one of the things that happened in the pandemic. you that job made things so much better made so much better uh and also just generally like just realizing uh a lot of it was like not rational and not like my brain just wasn't functioning but it's just like i joke about it now of i think i was joking with my sister recently where i was just like uh it's like yeah i discovered i just have like a baseline of just rage and dread going going at all times and 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 just the the mitigating of that is exhausting but now i just i know that it's just it's always there it's i think mark maron has this he did this bit that like hit a little too close to home it was just like it's just like yeah it's just like when you when you're an angry person you just you can't i think his joke was like you can't promise you're not going to have an outburst you just try and make the the space between the outburst and the apology shorter, <laughs> like, <laughs> like, and his his thing was just like I just have a river of rage running through me at all times, 
and it's it's up to me whether or not I'm gonna get in the boat. You know, it's, and the people around me is like, oh, oh, he he's in the boat. He's got the oar. <laughs> just, just stay clear. <laughs> and that's it's like I'm not like openly angry, but I discovered that there's just just running in the background in my brain. Even if I'm not like conscious of it, it's just like they're just mild like background rage and dread and like fear. I don't know about fear, dread, but rage, yeah. Yeah, I, I mean I the pandemic that. is where the the fear stuff came out, but it, but it's like you know it's like Star Wars. It's fear leads to anger, <laughs> anger leads to the dark side. Like yeah, it's it's just going. I just and now I'm well, like I'm glad you're and now I'm super better. and now I'm super aware of the fact yeah. that like before it's just like no I'm not an angry person. I was like and I'm not, but it's just like apparently just. There's a part of my subconscious is like, yeah, no, we're angry all the time. <laughs> <laughs> and I haven't, I had, I had it on the, I think I, I had it on the trade today. It was just, it'll just pop up like randomly. And it, moments getting and to it, not even and and like it, being in a tin can full of people. Like yeah. yeah, yeah. Where, where it's just like, you'll get, I'll get like angry at someone, not angry at someone, or like I'll imagine a situation and then I'll imagine like, the like just opening your eyes and looking at people doing stupid shit in New York City. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like fighting them, but like the level of like the fighting in my brain is so like that I'll actually sometimes say out loud, I'll go, Oh, there's that rage again. <laughs> there's that anger again. <laughs> okay. <laughs> like I don't because the the like and I know a lot everyone has, you know, those like fantasies where it's like you're gonna beat the shit out of someone or whatever. But like the level it goes in my brain, I'm just like, eh. it it'll hit a point where I'm just like, Okay, okay brain. <laughs> okay, brain. That's enough of that. <laughs> that's that's quite enough of that. <laughs> yeah, my extent to like doing that is just playing Call of Duty. And that's helped. That's helped. Because I haven't touched Call of Duty in a long time since yeah. last year, and coincidentally, that was well. Like for me, physic different types of physical activity help. Um, I think not doing, not being performing or anything, which I'm I'm trying to figure out ways to get back to, because there aren't really poetry slams anymore. I won't get into the whole story of why that is, um, but uh, or like comedy or just something, because it's an outlet. I I like I need the outlet. Of something um and some of that is just like being financially stable enough for like going out regularly to do stuff like that is like a possibility which i'm not quite at yet uh all that is to say <laughs> you asked how we're doing this is how uh, yeah, we're doing we're, we're doing fine at yeah least, yeah at least we're ending this summer on a more positive note yeah 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 uh, like i've kicking I, and screaming going back to work like I mean, I I weirdly, as much as like my summers this year is more like the how it's been in. The, I have the rever almost a reverse of what you have is like the summers often my busiest time, and then I'm um, certain things I'm just like, I'm glad I'm going back to this, the fall thing. Like one of my clients comes back with because the kid goes back to school, uh, but also like stuff is getting more normal <laughs> uh yeah uh but uh yeah so all that is to say we we uh i didn't 
fix the SD card. So we had a whole conversation about Guardians of the Galaxy 3 that is now super delayed and late uh, that got cut off. Um, so we get... What did, I, I don't know what was cut off, but what didn't we mention? We, we didn't. Like, the whole discussion uh, of Guardians, because we, we got to Guardian oh, talking so about Guardians 3. Yeah, no, oh, none, of, okay. none, none of the Guardians 3 got, stuff got recorded. So we were super late. I mean, the movie's been out. It's been on Disney+. Plus. I've now rewatched it twice. Uh, yeah, I mean, the thing is, um, it's the most solid movie franchise the MCU has. You know? Yeah, which is um, weird because no, I don't think originally anyone could have seen that coming. From I mean, the characters, from... I mean, you'd think it was Iron Man, and Iron Man, the three movies were... Okay, I mean, the first two were... The first one is really great. Yeah. And it kind of trailed off. Yeah. Captain America got stronger. Yeah. And got better with each subsequent movie. However, Guardians, like, it's been banger after banger. It's also... Simply because of the dialogue, the story, the characters. They all mesh well together. And even... It is also the only one of the movies that... Aside from Black Panther, uh, that exi- kind of, it's part of the Marvel Universe. Definitely in the first and the second movies, there were, you know, parts of it that connected to stuff they were trying to set up. But they're also the, the, the movies that feel the most like, especially now with the third one, where it's like, yes, they're part of the MCU, but it's also its own little pocket. And it's, it is very, especially with the third one, it's like become very clear that James Gunn, whether he intended to or not, has created, like had a tale that he wanted to tell with these characters. Uh, that was almost... James in, Gunn, I mean, he definitely did. That, 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 that was independent of the greater MCU. And... Managed it to finish it very like beautifully, in my opinion, in the third film. Uh, I mean, it worked perfectly because the main connection with the overall MCU was just like the first movie, the Infinity Stones, and yeah, Gamora's connection with Thanos. Sure, but from the very beginning, you could see that he wanted to get like fuck ups and have them grow throughout each and each subsequent film outing and to him or to the me as a viewer you knew the product were the characters you know not the action not the set pieces the characters yeah where they're currently at and where he plans on going and i love the fact that every single one of the characters had a fucking great ending yeah you know where you know that pose puts a bow on that character's arc that other character's arc and i feel happy and content with it you know yeah. i'm fine with without any future guardians films because I've, I've i've whatever he's provided has filled me up sufficiently sure and i also love the fact that this was more than any other character it's rocket's movie uh has one of the most depressing origin <laughs> stories of any of the characters uh well he did allude to yeah, from the very beginning. Uh, and you get, like, 
you know, Nebula going literally just say when sees like what happens, like this is worse than what Thanos did to me. And I was like, okay, damn, that's, that's saying a lot. Uh, and I think I mentioned this, like the first time rewatching it, I got to the point where like you see like baby rocket and number one, just all of the, the, just the fact that it's animals, even though they're CG animals, uh, credit to the effects people who are now uni- going to unionize. Good for, good for them. I mean, they need to unionize. Cause I mean, looking at the shit that Warner Brothers have been like parading in theaters when it comes to their films, their inferior CG. They Marvel has to do something with making sure that they get paid for the amazing yeah, yeah. they're doing. Well, it's not just getting paid. I, they're unionizing because there's been and all those hours, rumors yeah. that they've been working and not you know, getting, I mean, not getting, because they're not, you not getting paid what they should be given the work they're putting in and the, the time constraints that is being, that are being put, that was, I think that was a big thing. Why they're unionizing is not just the amount of work, but like the amount of time that they have to do the amount of work that they're supposed to do. From what I've heard, it's the time and the money. Yeah. Because if, one director decides, hey, I want to do something bigger and better. Time is not the factor. A lot of it is manpower. Yeah. You know, for something that's really expensive, you need more people on board to help you do all of that. Yeah, you know, and, and, that and keep in mind, skill. like, those VFX people are not... I think the other reason why they want to unionize is that uh, if it's not ILM, like, when you... If, any, if you ever watch the credits, it's multiple effects houses that are doing the effects. Yeah. It's not just I for for I think the Avengers it was predominantly ILM, but now it's they're farming it out to a lot of different people and if they want to keep those people then they need to like they had need to have specific contracts and in, and because they're all independent houses, I think they want to unionize so they can negotiate those contracts properly. Uh because that's how that always breaks down. All that is to say... Well, that and plus movie theaters force those companies to lower the price yeah. to get the contract. So they have not been well compensated, either the employees or the companies themselves. Yeah. Uh, so um, all that is to say is like just getting to, you know, it was uh, that first time I rewatched it, uh, it was Does It Words, and then the first time Rocket just goes, it hurts. I just went... Yeah, now nah, I, I, I don't. I was like, I'm not in a place where I can watch this right now. I'm gonna have to come back and watch I mean, the, him, the rest of this. His friends, um, the like the charge interactions between Mantis, uh, Drax, yeah, and uh, Nebula. Um, the, the, on top of the fact that freaking you know Star Lord still hasn't gone over yeah. the death. It's just like. There's just so much emotion going on. I, I, I and also just so I, I texted you. I didn't cry the first time watching it with you in theaters. I didn't I either. I didn't. Same thing. Same time. thing. Cried the second time. Yeah. Um. So also like appreciate because one of the complaints of the first of the second film was like how much that uh, Mantis was treated like she was a joke, and in this she like she sensed. Well, she grows where she learns she, to she, she grew, defend herself. Oh, also, she's others. she's not like completely like beholden to ego anymore, which she was just 
she had just come out of that for the second film and now she's like her own character she found out she's you know technically a sibling technically story yeah technically uh his sister uh and the interactions between her and drax are great um i love the the and fucking Drax being called a father. Well, oh, it's it, oh. the the line that ne- that oh. I th- just not just being called a father. It's what Nebula says. It's just like she goes. Uh, it's like I realize you're not destined to be this be a destroyer. It's like or it wasn't destined. Uh, it's uh, you weren't born to be a destroyer. You were born to be a dad. Yeah. And I was just like, oh. because because you realize like when you see is it, like that's. That's really who he is the whole time. Even like all of like the, you know, he says it in one of the previous movies, like all the rage was just to hide his hurt. But it's just like, no, he's just a, he's just a, like a broken hurt dad. Yeah. And he needs people to look after. Him, yeah. You know, and take care of him. Um, yeah. There's something that has been missing with a lot of the MCU films is just like, Heart, yeah, you know emotions, you know emotional stakes. It's also I mean, it's also like a Marvel film that feels the least like feel like I said it feels like its own thing, feels less like a Marvel film now that the Marvel films have become such a, like a formula. Uh, and we were saying it is like you know it's focused on a character. That's not to say that some of the 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 visual stuff isn't is inspired. The the whatever Orjo spear sphere or whatever is so gross. The what? Oh, the prison. The the place they go to that's like yeah, the, the Nathan Philly. Pr- yeah. Yeah, yeah. That looks like oh. a giant like fucking spleen or whatever. Uh, I mean, it's it's visually appealing. I have to say, it's like it's gorgeous to look at because when it comes to sci-fi and space things, you normally think of brutalist metallic yeah. things nothing organic and it's you know i thought it was a welcome change and and also just nathan fillion just nathan fillion uh james gunn's girlfriend or wife i know she has a small cameo in that yeah yeah from uh, peacemaker from peacemaker uh I yeah, also like, also i i'm glad that to be fair i just am glad to see Nathan Fillion's gorgeous face, not covered. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly, exactly. It's or, or just uh, a voice of a CG character. Yeah. Um, I also just uh, like his brother as a, as a character. Craglin grew on me. I mean, I liked him. I like I liked him, but he he like he really like. I don't know. By the time I got to like, I didn't dislike him. I was just like, okay. I liked him, and by the time it got to like this third film, I was like, okay, I love Crackle. <laughs> and Co- and Cosmo. Uh, oh, yeah. Cosmo was one character I... I mean, I'm only familiar with him with reading some of the Guardians comics, but I've grown to enjoy his character a lot more. The she. It's a girl. She. Yeah. Uh, the Marvel Unlimited now has a, co- a course, because Marvel Unlimited, a lot of them, they have to... Pr- Whenever like a new movie comes out, they always promote whatever the comic book is, yeah. and they had a they had a Cosmo uh, Marvel Unlimited comic book. That's cute. Uh, some of the Marvel Unlimited when they do stuff like that with like Cosmo, they have another one that's called Marvel Meow, that's all the cat characters. 
uh, literal cats and and the one that's a flurgan uh, is incl- included in that. And they're just cute little stories. They're not canon at all, but they're super cute. Uh, there's another one that they started it with a comic book on Marvel Unlimited called It's Jeff. Do you know who Jeff is? No. Jeff is the little shark with legs from the Deadpool comic books. Uh, it's just this. It's I have. I've it's very. It's it. very hard to explain if you've never read the arc that has him in it. But he's just this cute little. He's like a little dog, but he's not a little dog. He's a little shark with 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 with, with like dog legs. Uh, and it. Yeah. It's just. It's adorable. I know he's really popular when it comes to comics, but I know they go into depths of humor that just never appeal to me. Uh, when it comes to the comics, I mean, it, yeah, it's it, great for a, a good, good number of people, and great for like some weird shit for like the movies. Sure, but yeah, just like I, for some reason, I've never grown to like Deadpool comics. Well, before. here's the thing: I will say, uh, because I have an, a Marvel Unlimited uh, subscription, I read a lot more Marvel comics than I probably would have otherwise. Uh, but I will say I don't just read Marvel. Uh, so anything that's not X-Men or Daredevil. Cause the most recent run on Daredevil has been pretty good. Uh, X-Men has been fantastic, but now that yeah, they're... Weird. It, it, well, it's not that it's getting weird. It's that because they, I understand in comic books they have to do this. Where it's just like you can only have a status quo, which is like what they've been calling the Krakoan era, where they have their own island, uh, their own nation, and they have Mars. The mutants have Mars and their own nation uh, on the island of Krakoa. Is that in order to keep it interesting, they have to be threatened, and now they have a new arc that's called the Fall of X, where Krakoa got invaded by... by actually... It's it's smart because they've the way they set it up they set up a lot of the way it was gonna end from the very beginning. Uh it was Mr. Sinister like playing a super duper yeah, long game. Put his gene into all resurrected mutants. Well so it's so in order to one of the things is that's sins of sinister. There's also Fall of X, which oh, is okay. like an and which is what they're doing now. Okay. Uh but a lot of it is be, has to do with the consequence of the fact that in order to make resurrection work in the X-Men, like their universe, they had to uh, have Mr. Sinister do stuff for them because he's like the master of like gen- genetics. He's the smartest person. It was like, and they couldn't make it work without like this innovation that they came up to came up with. Uh but there is Sins of Sinister, which is stuff that he set up, uh, which basically, like, set up an alternate universe where, like, everybody is a Sinister because uh, his genetics are in everything. And he thought, it's like, yay, I win. I'm going to rule the world. And what he realizes, like, when everyone is him, everyone wants to rule the world, basically. <laughs> and he's like, so the actual Mr. Sinister gets, like, completely fucked over. He's just like, oh, wait, I made everyone me. I'm actually terrible. <laughs> I can't 
I can if I make everyone me. I haven't read a lot of the most recent X Men, but I I've heard that they Marvel's done a great job with him, making him so outlandish. Well, there's he's like so much better than he was originally in the nineties. So what what they so a lot of this goes back to Hickman is. Hickman was a smart enough writer. It's what I always talk about when you have a villain. If you're going to say that a villain, a villain is brilliant, you can't dumb down who they're supposed to be for the purposes of like having the audience understand. Uh, so like, what Hickman did with a lot of the villains, like Mr. Sinister, is like, what if you had a villain, a villain like... Like what they do with Doctor Doom sometimes. It's just like, what if you had a villain who was actually this smart? It was just like, here's what they could do and how dangerous they could be if they were this good at, say, with Mr. Sinister, messing with genetics and, like, creating clones of people and creating in Chimera, which is like, you create mutants who are actually combinations of multiple. You have a mutant that you've created that is actually a combination of three or four mutants' powers. like, And then you create clones of yourself. And in Sins of Sinister and the aftermath now, Fall of X, there's now a version of Mr. Sinister who's Nathaniel Essex, who's like what his real name is, who is actually like a not a mutant is a human who's been around for hundreds of years, is also a brilliant geneticist, and has now been working with all the people who are the enemies of the X-Men to take down the X-Men. And that's the story. A lot of people, especially... Um, I've read a couple of articles of, from, like, people of color who are, like, not just... One of them is about how they've now made uh, Ms. Marvel a mutant as well, an inhuman and, an, and a mutant. Wait, she's both? She's both now. Uh, and because she, because, because the way they're playing is because she got her inhuman, like the Terrigen mists, she became inhuman when she was a teenager, her becoming an inhuman actually delayed the onset of her being a mutant. That's how they're doing it. It's, 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 it's not, Marvel. it's Marvel. They're not, and, and because That's, of, if Marvel would have been great if it wasn't for Disney. Yeah. Well, yeah. And also. The, That's my a lot of uh, there are not just people of color like minority groups like trans people and like because they've 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 embraced and done a lot of great things with characters in the X Men pockets of the Marvel universe and now that they're doing Fall of X there are a lot of people I've read like a handful of articles uh, of people who and like stuff from on Twitter now X of people saying, like, who feel a certain way of, like, okay, you gave them their own world and their own land, and now you're going to take it away from them again. And after you've done... It's like, after you've done all this progress with these fictional characters and we've all embraced them, now you're going to take it all away from them again. And there are a lot of people who feel a certain way, which I can understand. I, mean, I think it's... My guess is that it's not going to be permanent. Well... As you said, it's too... Up the stakes, which is why they, they, I got sick and tired. They, no, so of a so lot even of in a e even 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 comic books even do. as amazing as the Krakoan age has been, and as many of the beautiful the great things that they've done storytelling wise and 
progress, you know, being progressive with the characters and all of that, it's still comic books and you can only have that go on. You can only have your characters be on top of everything for so long before you kind of have to, you have to deconstruct them and build them back up again. And it's like, I understand why people are, I understand both sides of it. I understand why people are salty about it. It was just like, because of what the X-Men represent, really, like outside of, you know, just generally, you know, the whole metaphor for racism, as the joke in Deadpool uh, says, but it's become a, a metaphor for more than that. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, beyond just... Any, any, yeah, 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 uh, any, like, oppressed group. Uh, and to give them, like... It's like Black Panther and Wakanda. is the same way that a lot of people have treated, of all different, like, oppressed groups, have treated, like, the Krakoan age of, like, we have this place. It's a fictional place, but it's a... it's You've given us a place, and now you're taking... It's like you've given us this safe place to live, and now you're taking it away from us again. As I understand that side of it, but I also understand it's conflict. You need some. Conflict. Yes, exactly. As you as know, like comic books. Yeah, yeah. Uh, all of that is to say, like, and then we'll get back to Guardians. Is when I, aside from like the X Men and Daredevil, I now have been reading some of the other comics. Mostly, I just like okay, I just put in because you can do this on the app. Is you can go Jonathan Hickman, and I just all the stuff that he's he's written. So now I'm reading his run on Avengers because it's Jonathan Hickman and his run on Avengers is great. Jason Aaron, who was on who I, I'm not a big giant Thor fan, but his run on Thor was great. He also did a run on Avengers. I was like, okay, I'm gonna read Jason Aaron's run on, on Avengers because it's a great fucking writer. Same way I feel I mean on a larger scale, just like anything Brian K. Vaughn touches. Shut up and take my money. Um, I mean Shut up! And get into saga. I've been. Um, I will been hit you. I will hit in you. In terms of um, getting back into comics, I'm like I'm still on volume three of Invincible. So okay, I just have to it's like fair. get back on. Like, that's one thing I've noticed in the last few years. I have not read as many comics. Like, I, I still have. A few books I've picked up that I have yet to touch. I, I just got to get back. I to sitting because down. I can't afford it. That's why I've been most because I have this subscription that's like twelve dollars, like eleven dollars a month to Marvel. It's why ninety nine percent of the stuff I've been reading is Marvel, just because I love a lot of the Image stuff. But Image doesn't have you know because it's not a it's all independent independent books. It doesn't have its own dedicated app. Yeah. So I'm just like oh not like even on Comicsology. It's not. You can, but you still have to buy the books individually, because Image does it because they're creator owned. It's not; it's all separate. You know, it's un all under Image, but Image doesn't have like a dedicated like thing for it. It's just each separate book. Yeah, so there's like I'm maybe no, I'm not because I've been reading in the trade. I'm caught up on Saga, and every time I finish. So, and Saga takes a long time for the trades to come out, so that's why I don't feel as bad about that. But, like, every time one of those ends, it just... The way Brian K. Vaughan combined with Fiona Staples, like, the way he ends arcs is just, like... Like, just... It'll be like, that's very cool. That's an amazing thing. You've created this beautiful world. And then almost inevitably at the end of every, like, story arc... 
something happens that just leaves it as like a, you motherfucker. <laughs> Why are you doing this to us? Like, yeah, just I mean, something. Yeah, I mean, I've only read his um, Why the Last Man series, and yeah, it's, I'm fully aware how you can, like, get to your emotions. And honestly, like, and every, I've argued, like, as far as comic books, like, consistently every, he's now maybe the only writer currently writing in comic books in my opinion who is just like I don't care what he's doing if his name is on something I'm buying it like he's just he may be the best writer <laughs> currently working in comic books like he's just every even like the smaller stuff he I've, he did like I think it was called like Border or something like that that was like a a six-issue miniseries that was simultaneously about Mexican, the Mexican-U.S. border, and then through an aliens. So it is. It is a a guy who is coming across the a Mexican coming across the Mexican border, and uh, a border patrol officer white border patrol officer uh when they're in in the middle of having like a border conflict where like he's about to get she's about to arrest him they get abducted by aliens and it's it's great (laughs) that's all i'm gonna say it's just one of those things like this is you've taken an idea about like border and immigration and it's like and now you've thrown in aliens and now you're just examining Yeah, yeah, real aliens, and yeah, <laughs> and the aliens like have I can't remember, but it, I, I'm probably misremembering. But the aliens like have their own, like, there's like different groups of aliens, and it, it becomes like a, it is literally about immigration and also a metaphor about immigration, and there is, you know, earthbound like you know, national aliens and also literal aliens, <laughs> and it I was like, uh, it's. Brian, give it on. Do whatever you want. I'll buy it. Fuck it. Shut up and take my money, basically. Going back to Guardians. Guardians, yes. Sorry. We are the master um, of tangents here. Um, actually, I'm about to go into a tangent because I think I mentioned this the last time. Sure. About why I feel confident in James Gunn's approach yeah. with DC. I mean, he was he had a wide... Uh, play box to work with when it comes to uh, Marvel and the Guardians where I feel that the fact that he's able to make me care about freaking cute misformed animals yeah you know in this film and the fact that this was such a really tight three movie arc considering he's he had he was forced to adjust to things that were beyond his control, meaning the death of one of his own characters and Gamora. Sure. Yeah. You know, making adjustments as they go along makes me feel really confident about what he's able to do with uh, the upcoming, just like, and not just Superman, just like him able to put together a cohesive movie 
franchise that are interconnected. That's something that Warner Brothers has not been able to. In fact, not a lot of other companies in Hollywood have been able to do. Sure. So I feel really confident based on these three films that, you know what, granted, James Gunn is known for his humor. He's a more he's a more well-balanced director than that. He, I think he can do more. You know, it's not just going to be like, uh, you know, a cursing fest or it's like a humor fest. I think he can come down and create a really grounded Superman film that is really, that really does have heart. I think what, so there's humor in like everything he does, but there is an emotional core to, I mean, I, I would say like it, it's, 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 it, it's, it's weird to say this, the analogy I'm about to make, but he's like, he's kind of like become like the superhero Judd Apatow where it's just like, I can see that yeah. where it's just like, it's humor, but there is genuine, like real emotional stuff behind all of the humor behind everything. Like, it's not just humor for humor's sake. Like, uh, like you could like his R-rated movie. Like, there's a lot of like gross-out stuff in it, but the core of it, and also like genre-wise, you know, he cares about what makes things work. Not not just and he knows what makes people interested. The people yeah. sitting down and watching the film to really feel invested in these characters. Like, if you... I mean, different genre, but Slither is a great fucking movie. Uh, it's an homage to, like, several different movies. Most, as I've said, most notably, a movie called Night of the Creeps, for which if you have not seen, you need to see. Uh, did you ever see... You've seen Slither, yeah. yes? Okay. The most... The movie that Slither most directly is an homage to is a movie called Night of the Creeps from, like, 89, I think. Similar premise, like, slugs from space turn people into zombies uh, and invade, like, a, a like, college dorm. Uh, but that movie is... Uh, Night of the Creeps is also full of humor. Uh, it's A lot of it is tongue-in-cheek. But, like, the horror elements are genuine and the humor elements are genuine. And that's, like, Slither. It's, like, you know, the horror, like, gross-out moments are absolutely gross-out and horror elements. And the human el humor elements are are also hilarious. Uh, and also, he, now we know that, like, Nathan, who Nathan Fillion is going to play in the DC universe. And I was like, oh, God, he's playing guy. That's fucking perfect. I was like... I mean, I was like... When I heard that, like... I was... I, I didn't... I, before knowing who he was playing, when I heard Gre uh, Green Lantern, I was like, uh, I don't know about that. But Guy Gardner... I'm like, oh, yeah, that makes perfect... Yeah, that makes perfect sense. perfect. That makes he's perfect sense. Especially if I'm assuming they're going to have, like, a straight... Uh, Superman, who's not going to be waxing jokes. You need some little ele funny elements, and I think that Guy Gardner would be a perfect character to inject some humor in that film. Yeah. Uh, also, like, uh, a I, I just love him. He's just like, 
a fuck up that I love to see. Yeah. I love to read about in comics. Yeah. Uh, I will say on the Guardians tip, uh, you know, I don't know what they're going to do with Adam Warlock, but like he was he was fine. Uh, great villain. High, high evolutionary. And I like the fact, I mean, he's, he had he, no he's been bent on world domination. Yeah. He's just a fucking cruel person, you know, that had an axe grind against um, Rocket. Uh, but just like, I, I love the fact that there, there were no major stakes involved. Aside yeah. from Rocket's life, yeah, they yeah. have nothing to do with the MCU, had nothing to do with world domination. Yeah. It's just a fucking asshole who did not like. Well, well, that's people. a funny thing. Uh, so I recently, on one of the Avengers runs, there are like these creatures who, like, apparently in the Marvel universe and the way Hickman set it up, are like some of the original progenitors of like creating life on various Earths, uh, and they like seed Earth essentially. Like they're like. Oh, Earth as it is isn't gonna survive. We're gonna like push evolution, and the high evolutionary sh- shows up on Earth again, and it's just like he's not showing up. Like he's come to like collect samples. He's just like, oh, they're they're doing what I do. Hey, I kind of want to. I'm gonna. He literally like just shows up and it's just like, I was like, what are you doing? He was like, I'm just here to see what's going on because I'm a. I'm an asshole. Like, basically, <laughs> it's not like I'm here to help take over or team up with the other villains. He literally shows up and just goes, so like, I'm here to collect samples and watch what's going on because I'm an asshole. Like, he doesn't say because I'm an asshole, but that's the, that's like, and it, it never occurred to me, like, again, it's, I think it's a Hickman thing where it's just like, oh, yeah, he's just a, he's just an arrogant asshole who has a lot of power. Uh, and all he wants, all he wants, like, like it's like, you know, he's like, I just want to see things evolve. I, I want a perfect world. And he does not embrace different. And I just love that message. You know, it's just like, there's a simple message. And you don't need to think about how does this connect to this other movie, which is another problem with Marvel. You know, it's just like, should you have to watch the t- three TV shows and the two other movies to make sense of this. This is pretty much a self-contained, you know, yeah. vehicle, and it works. I and there's also like the the fight in the hallway near the end is great. It's a great fight sequence. The only problem I have with this movie is is Swole Groot. It's just Groot. And it's just like, well, I I guess this it's, is. I mean, they have the money. It's it's an artistic. It was a a weird choice. Yeah. Um, And I guess he's a different type of Groot. He's a now Colossi or something. Yeah, yeah, Colossi too. I mean, I don't get it. I don't read read much of the Guardians. Here's what I'll say. Of all all the Guardians, Groot has the weirdest backstory. And also, like, his people are some of the weirdest characters. Apparently... Like, uh, like one of them had like an affair with like Gaia or like a in an in arcation in arcation. I I I can't. The word is Gaia from Earth. There, Gaia is a goddess in in on in the MCU as well. Uh, 
like like in as however you might feel about Thor: Love and Thunder, there are different pantheons in the MCU as well. Uh, there's actually like in the MCU there is a version of they're not called the Avengers, but there's a version of the Avengers that are from like one million BC, and it's like it's. Oh, I heard. I've heard about that. It's an incarnation of the Ghost Rider. It's an incarnation, the first incarnation of the Black Panther, the first incarnation of the Iron Fist, the first Sorcerer Supreme, a thing called the Star Brand, which is in uh, Avengers 1 million BC is sort of like the Hulk, but the Star Brand is actually like a cosmic character, and it's uh, Odin. Odin and the first earthly incarnation of the Phoenix. Okay. Uh, and yeah, it's an interesting story, but it's, yeah, you get like this thing is like apparently one of Groot's people or possibly even Groot, a previous incarnation of like Groot had like a fling with like one of the gods of that. It's, it's very strange. Yeah. Their, their whole people are like, I haven't read a lot about it. I don't, yeah, it's, it's fucking weird. <laughs> I mean, overall, it's a great movie, yeah. you know, and yeah, it's one of the better MCU franchises. So, I mean, I just hope that whatever good mojo that befell this franchise is able to rub off on whatever James Gunn will do with the yeah. Warner Brothers. Because we need a lot of help. And I've yet to, s- it's because I've yet to see Blue Beetle. But I've heard really great things about it. Yeah, we'll Box office wise, I get it. You know, it's not a character people give a shit what about. You, what are you gonna do? What are you gonna do? I've heard that it's just like campy in a good way. Yeah. And I've seen yeah, some shit we'll, like we'll some see of the promos have him form the eye of Thundera or whatever. <laughs> and I'm like, fuck, I, I have to watch this. So whenever yeah, it gets we'll on get, we'll get around HBO to it. Max, I am definitely gonna watch yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, you know, because it's like that level of campy and goofy that I think I could get behind. So Plus, it's George Lopez with a mullet. Yeah. So, uh, so a couple other. Uh, we should probably talk about Barbenheimer or whatever, however you want to phrase it. Uh, I would say let's stick with Barbie. I mean, Oppenheimer, great film, but I, for me, it's like another great Christopher Nolan film. Barbie was a thing that, from what I've heard and read, had an uphill battle to even been made well and for well, it to like be this successful so so th- so it's a cu- c- couple of things like Oppenheimer. here's what i'll say it's really good it's a it's it's a slog i don't d- i don't agree i think i think it's a slog it was long but i didn't even feel it well it's, I, it's, it's, it's good it's yes it's people talking but if you are the type of person who can stomach not watching an explosion every two seconds you can well, well here's what I said like before I we went to see it I was just like think memento not interstellar uh not any of the other films because it's a biopic think biopic because that's what you're watching it's a really good movie what I've the way I've, I've phrased it is like Oppenheimer is really good Barbie's fucking fantastic <laughs> like it's it's it's, it's yeah it, it is it, it is almost literally like there um, yeah it's like it's a great piece of cinema great acting yeah uh great the stakes you learn a lot about you sure know, what what potentially happened back then um but barbie was just not only was it a fun ride 
um, the message is important, is great. And it's not only something that appeals to just girls and women. Anyone can watch it. A lot of audience members were guys, not just guys who were like dragged on to sure. watch this like like what happened with Titanic when it first came out. But it just like there's I know some people are like some guys online don't like to be treated as a villain or a bad guy. But I think that this movie respects everyone. It's yeah. mostly focused on women, but it doesn't shit on guys. You yeah, know? yeah. You know, it shows that yeah, there are some issues amongst men nowadays that you know we have to address. unless you're but really a like unless you're really attached to the importance of the idea of patriarchy you're you're i don't understand like and it's funny you know yeah. it's that's something once i learned that patriarchy didn't involve <laughs> horses i lost interest <laughs> oh god it's i mean it's and also we we were talking. We mentioned like Oppenheimer, like great performances. Credit where credit is due. As silly as the performance, they they're so good. Like, <laughs> the, I mean, I could imagine just like the blast that these yeah. the actors had making this film. And, and Greta, wait, Gerwig. Yes. You know, I don't. I'm not a huge fan of hers. I, I mean, I didn't like Little Women, and I've never seen Lady Bird. So this is my first. I really like Lady Bird. I didn't watch Little Women just because it's not. I I under I'm sure it's fine. It's another one of those things. It's like this isn't for me. This yeah. isn't this is not for me, and not not as like that it's a chick flick or any because I'm not someone as you well know. I don't I don't care about that. Yeah. There are chick flick quote unquote chick flicks that I love. A romantic. I'm a sucker for even terrible romantic comedies. Uh, I mean I love. The Winona Ryder, Little Women. That's the first time, that was the first incarnation of that movie that I saw. I enjoyed it, you know, and uh, I was with someone who loved it, so I wanted to give it a shot. I was just bored by it. So I wasn't, I was very unsure. I have a a weird thing when it comes to certain subsets of like period films where it's just like, yeah, I don't care. But, yeah, but. The trailer got me. It's yeah. like that first trailer I remember sending, the, uh, sharing the link with all of you guys. And I'm like, this is definitely going to be out there. And every time they showed like little snippets, trailers got more into this. And this movie just hit it all the right notes. Yeah. And and a funny thing is managed not just hit all the, the right notes, but like was able to hit all of the notes, if that makes sense. Where it's just like, no, we're going to, it's, it's you know, what they say with the previews is like, if you love Barbie, you'll like this movie. If you hate Barbie, you'll also like this yeah. movie. Uh, it managed to be, you know, as I read this, the article interview of like Greta Gerwig and, and it was just like, it, you could only be, and I've I've said this before. You can only be effectively like mock something and be subversive, uh, and not be. I think the the point I made was about Velma, uh, which I thought was funny, but the valid criticism of people who hated Velma 
there was a lot of invalid criticism too. But the valid criticism of Va- of of Velma was that it was mean spirited for no reason. It was mean spirited against a cartoon that like there was nothing problematic about Scooby Doo. There was no reason for not that, and that's not to say that it wasn't funny. There were parts of it that were funny, but there was a lot of it that seemed like really mean spirited towards a show. That had nothing to be mean spirited about. It's just a lot of negativity yeah. surrounding. Just the episodes were just negative, and I just didn't. I it didn't appeal to me. Yeah. You know? um, this one, Barbie. It's just like. But. It, to to it, my they point, love yes. The the um, the franchise. You know, it they understand the important its importance in just culture. Yeah. Not just American culture, just for everyone, you know. And I love the fact that, you know what, everyone's a Barbie, you know, and yeah. everyone's a Ken. It's not just one type of Barbie. There's a Barbie for everything. There's a Barbie. Barbie has different careers. So you can identify with a different type of Barbie or maybe a different type of Ken um, uh, that you grew up with. And everyone felt like they had, like, a piece of they saw themselves yeah. in this franchise. And li- like just aside from like the the main like Margaret Robbie, I have possibly more with this movie than any of the other stuff she's been in. I'm just like, okay, um I'm all in with you. Like, you're great. <laughs> really? Yeah. I, I wasn't she, she's always been great. I mean, I, I mean I'm sure she like has, but but, prey, but but then but I, I like Birds of Prey. Uh, she was great in that. I mean, everything she's done. I mean, I haven't seen everything. I yeah, mean, I, I don't know that other movie that she did. She's done a bunch of stuff, like <laughs> none of them, from what I've heard. Her movies haven't been that financially successful. Yeah, yeah. This is the first real banger. Yeah, that she's been a part of. Um, and to her credit, she was a, one of the top people who spearheaded this. I know. Um. Amy Schumer was attached to this. Yeah. She she went, you know, she wasn't into this. She asked Greta Gerwig to get on this, rewrite it. And yeah, yeah. Better. I mean, she, I mean, I'm glad that she was able to see the potential of this film. And, and, was able and to I see also it. appreciate that, uh, like, from that article, just the how Ryan Gosling became involved was also kind of hilarious is because he, he, he kept turning it down. Like he turned it down like three or four times and Greta Gerwig was just insistent of just like, no, 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 no. You're, you're, you're the person we need, we want for this. He's like, I don't don't know. Like he just, he just didn't, he didn't under, I, I think he said something like he didn't understand until he actually like, got there or like read the script and like got to got on set and was like, Oh, (laughs) Oh, this is what we're doing. And like, he is one of those people. He's one of those actors who's like, however, again, however you might feel about like, he's fantastic. He, he, he he commits, he, he he commits to some, he commits so hard. Once he's in, he commits so hard to whatever he's doing. The thing is, it's not just him. It's like, Everyone, Issa Rae, um, shoot, uh, the actor who was in Shang-Chi, uh, Simi Liu, uh, the guy from 
uh, Invasion. Yeah, who's, invasion. Who, who, um, whose name I can never think of. The new Doctor. They're all fucking great. Yeah. You know, even the guy from Superbad. Michael Sarah. Oh, God. He's so. <laughs> Everyone. So good. Was great in yeah. this film. And it was Kate like, McKinnon. Oh, this guy's lame. Everyone is perfect. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I had my doubts. Even like the the actor, I, I'm forgetting the names, but uh, he's also in Sex Education, but he plays the son of the principal. Yes, yeah, yeah. He's. I, mean, I didn't place either of them in it, by the way. I you had to tell me, and I have to go show. back. So I'm like, I do too, and I did not. I didn't place the them at all. Top, yeah. Well, th- uh, three of the four top actors in that show is in this film, um, and everyone just like killed it. You know, yeah. I loved everyone. It's like it. It's rare that you end the movie with like feeling really excited and wanting to see more of this. And yeah, I and I'm, I'm surprised I didn't see this multiple times in theaters, but I will definitely watch. I the I fuck out I of I, I texted Dan and Cat and uh, to ask them whether they had seen it. Or, yeah, and they had, and I was like, ah, oh, damn. So I was like, because I totally go see that again. <laughs> it's, it's, it, the the jokes are just on the jokes point. well there's just a level of like i said it's it takes someone who actually loves genuinely loves the subject matter but also understands all of the the multifaceted like the problems and the positives and can and has really put in the work to Address them all, you know, address everything. Uh, and also the fact that, like, you know, credit, even though they're, they're 150% trying to create their own little, like every big company trying to create their own little, like, universe. Bad mis- this big mistake. No, no, no. Yeah. Barbie works because... There's an actor and a director who had a good. Well, whether 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 or not whether or not they make franchises, it just I don't know. It's like whether or not I I I was a little unclear of whether they are trying to create like a connected universe or just they're trying to license all of their all of their toy properties for movies. Like, what works about Barbie is that it's a movie about women. Talking yeah. about the struggles, it's not. Yes, it's the Barbie franchise. Yeah. but there's a point to it um, that was properly executed. Also, well. not there's no fucking point to Transformers, and I'm no, sorry, there's but, no point in GI Joe. I no, guess. but not for not for nothing. Like, as far as this movie is concerned, like Greta Gerwig in that interview said, was, uh, there's like five or six scenes in it where they're like, I can't believe they're letting us get away with this. Like, and on Mattel's side, they were like, no, we're letting you get away with this because, like, the gamble is if it, you know, we're going to let you make it fun of us because if this works, this is a gold mine for us. Because, you know, you could say, like, all of the other, like, the more, like, deep stuff about the film. It's also, from a pure, like, merchandising standpoint, as subversive as the movie is, Everything in that movie is sellable. Like, you could bring back classic editions of Barbies, you know, and sell those as collector's editions. You could, you could, 
every all the houses, all the Kens, you could bring them all back. You could you could brand them as movie versions. Do people still play with toys? It does. I mean, I'm an adult. I have toys, but they're mostly mostly in. Uh, that's the. That's the gamble, though. That's the gamble. That, that, that's a well. No, that's a separate. That's a separate thing. Uh, the collecting Barbies and the the subset of the population that still buys physical like Barbies. That it's they're it's adults. They're old people. I kids nowadays. They're they don't give a damn about action figures or dolls. They young, play with phones and yeah, apps or electron. Well, well. No, That's there's. Where I'm like confused about it. It's like, yeah, I mean, Barbie definitely is hurting for some cash because I don't know if to- the toy industry is as strong as it used to be. Um, it isn't, but there is definitely a subset that they're. There are two different things that I think Mattel is trying to do, and one I think they're gonna they'll be successful at, and the other they won't. There is a subset of both adult and kid. Uh, things where they could m- sell movie-branded merchandise to, not just toys. Like I said, everything in this movie is sellable, like outfits, all of that. Like it's the the, rail- the roller skates that you were talking about. Power slide yeah. already. Ha- I could show you power slide. So the skates they used in this movie, um. They bought a bunch. Uh, there's this company called Loco Skates. They're just a skate shop in Europe, and the Barbie production company, uh, production uh, staff just bought like tw- something like twelve thousand skates from them, or something like that. And some of them were the model that they painted neon for the Barbies. I noticed there was a couple like aggressive skates that they put on the guys with the skate with the the suits. Later, mm-hmm. I was just like, oh, I reckon it, that's that's the racer's cult. Like, I recognize that skate. And Power Slide put out a new, uh, like, two new skates in, like, not specifically the colors from it, but they're, they're in that style. And I was like, okay, Power Slide, I see what you're doing. <laughs> and they're not Barbie branded, but it's clear. If, you, if I showed you the picture of those the, these new Power Slide skates... Uh, it's like, no, oh yeah, yeah. yeah. The film, the movie. They're not, but they are. They are the modern version, like oh, what? Right. Because right. what you see in the movie is like they bought like low market skates and then they painted them neon. The new power slide skates are like, what if that skate, but not eighties or like mid nineties rollerblades? It's okay. like. What if you put like modern rollerblade technology, but it was in like those colorways? That's what the new Power Slide skates look like. And I was like, "Hey, Power Slide, smart move. Uh, I bet you're gonna see a bunch of people buy those." <laughs> so yeah, it's it's. I think as far as like toys, probably n- maybe not. But Barbie branded stuff is still. It's not just toys. There's that they could you know. There's so many ways you could. Because I haven't seen Barbie branded shit in. Since I was a kid. Well, that's I the mean, thing. We're so in, in my nine years, I never saw kids in the building. Even visiting my friends and looking at their kids, their toys are not Barbie shit. They're like brats or whatever those dolls, tiny little things. Yeah, I've yeah, not yeah. seen a Barbie in a long time. Yeah, yeah. Well, but but uh, as far as like animated stuff, it's they still make. I don't know. I I don't know the sales numbers. I just know it still exists. 
Uh, and yes, Bratz has taken over, but that's still like that's the competition. M- Mattel is making a gamble that they'll be able to resuscitate some of, or li- if yeah, not resuscitate. Hope so. I mean, yeah, but we'll see. It's made close to two billion dollars. Yeah. If well, nothing, if billion, no, if million, I think. If nothing else, billion, I think. If nothing else, they have made a lot of money on the movie. <laughs> like whether that'll help them on the merchandising, uh, they're I think they're they're gambling that they'll be able to make some more money outside of the movie itself. I don't know how successful that will be, but like yeah, um, I mean, pink is the hot color right now. You know? Sure. So. I'm sure they could profit off of that. But, yeah, just it's Barbie's cool, you know. Yeah. And, and I would never have imagined that. Um, but the movie just killed it. It's, yeah. Uh, it's great, obviously, for women because it doesn't hold back on some of the issues women yeah. are dealing with. It's great for the guys because despite the fact that it reminds us that we suck <laughs> a yeah. lot of times, it, it does it in a smart way. Yeah. Well, what also like in a very funny way makes the point that a lot of is, you know, that people, you know, when women talk about patriarchy, there are men who I don't think it's talked about enough is that patriarch the patriarchy hurts men as well. Yeah. And that's one of the things that is is it it makes us into uh, like some of the a lot of the ideas makes us holds us to unrealistic standards as well of what we're supposed to be. Uh, and also by extension, the one thing that the movie doesn't deal with, uh, mostly because I think it's, there's only so much, it is such a hot button topic that I, I don't think it was the place of this movie to address that, but non-binary gender issues. Like this is definitely a binary women, men movie. And I was just like, I mean, you could, I don't know why you would, but you could criticize a movie that creates a very gender binary world. Uh, but it's just like, I don't think that's the place of a Barbie movie to well, be doing that necessarily. Because Barbie's very much a yeah. woman, you know, yeah, yeah. Uh, issue. Um, it's for girls, you know. I don't know how that translates to uh, trans people. Um, and maybe they need their own movie to deal with that. I mean, I don't, like, I, first of all, there are very few films that are for women, about women, you know? Yeah. Um, so I think that, you know, for the two hours that they had, they had a, to focus on a specific message. You know, they couldn't to, do everything. Semi-related and also unrelated, I was reading, an, I, I'm, I'm forgetting the name, but it was in a recent New York Times magazine, an interview with this, like, comedian, like, uh, actress person who was like a non-binary pers- trans person and what they said was what I thought was kind of a beautiful thing to say was this is like when talk- people talk about trans issues it was just like it's it what they said was like there are there is there are no trans issues it's actually people issues it's just everyone uh, and the most, the thing that is most conflicting is that it's so many, it's that the people who are so against it is everyone has to, is confronted, confronted with this idea of like, 
you are free to be who you want to be. And what happens is that people are raised in these systems and like Barbie, like patriarchy or like whatever the role of a woman is, is you're raised in these systems that tell you like, this is what you're supposed to be. And then suddenly you're confronted with someone who's just like, no, there's a much wider spectrum. There's there's a freer thing of humanity at large. And it's like what people are really reacting against to is they're like, oh, no one has ever told me that you could be this free with something with like your gender or whatever that can't be right. And so they fight against it. And what this person was saying, what they were saying was like, it's just, it's about like having the freedom to be who you want to be, to had to be the identity that you want to be. And And because we've gotten so those characters. Yeah. The last few years, um, like with the Sandman, you know, sure. seeing more characters. Um, maybe I don't think there are any trans um, people, but like gay relationships with good omens. I mean, I'm talking about nerdy shit. Yeah, yeah. I'm well, a big nerd, so I'm seeing a lot more. Ma- Mason Park, who plays Desire, is a non-binary person. Yes. Uh, and um, the character from Billions, as well as in the second. Second or third John Wick film. Yeah. Um, Third. Third. I didn't know that person was non-binary until that they were very much, um, they were talking about, you know, how she enjoyed having, you know, characters that, you know, represent who she is. Um, Even though the character is a woman in Game of Thrones, the lead actor, they are non-binary as well. Um, the Targaryen. The mother. Which Targaryen? The mother. From House of the Dragon. Oh, yes. Sorry, She's my brain. Non-binary. My brain. Yeah, my brain was not like... And the fact that they're able to be out there, you know, I think that's what's needed in terms of like seeing more people out. You know, obviously taking... roles that represent who they are but sometimes you know even though they're playing a character that's completely beyond them they are able to promote those films and their tv shows as authentic. so i just i just happened to pull out the new york times magazine because it was bothering me that i couldn't remember this person's name alec oh it's an actual magazine menon yeah it's an (laughs) actual it's an actual i read the actual physical magazine i get it i get it digitally too but it's just i don't like reading it on my phone yeah grandpa uh, and what they were saying, okay, here's the, the actual quote. Uh, there are no such thing as trans issues. There are issues that non-trans people have with themselves that they are taking out on trans people. A great example is when they talk about our agenda. The transgender agenda is recruiting people. My agenda is the ability to exist in public without the fear of being physically assault, assault, assaulted. If my existence is such a profound threat to the social fabric, then what needs to be interrogated is how we're how we created a world that doesn't allow people to exist. And basically the point was just like it's a world we've created systems that don't allow people to be their full selves. Yeah. And it doesn't matter whether they're trans 
or non-binary. It's really what we should examine is why have we created a world and systems in which people aren't allowed to be because you once you are your free self like it's joyful <laughs> it shouldn't be like all of it, the point that this person was making is like it shouldn't be about like protection against fear or protection against like being assaulted it should be about the joy like we shouldn't always be talking about you know it's as you said you know being able to be authentic and not having to worry about being assaulted you know yeah just being free to do whatever fuck the fuck that you want without having to deal with someone else's bullshit you know what does your freedom have to do with someone else you know both people can be equally happy just like mind your own business you know I, I mean, person's life has it's like I always life. say with like it, a lot of it just comes down to like ego death. We're really bad at ego death, especially in America. <laughs> like we, we just we get so built up and it's just like this is who I am that if like to accept like the, the ego death of like. Well, you could accept who you are. But yeah. No one's telling you to change. You we're just telling you to leave other people the fuck alone. Yeah, you know? but that's an yeah. ego death. You have to under you like you have to you know, whatever. It's fine. <laughs> it's not fine, but but yeah. I wanted to read because it was bugging me, and uh, I I wanted to sort of like get the quote right. Barbie, fucking amazing. Great movie. Yes. Um, yeah, uh, it's like, I still have smiles thinking about that. Th quote. This is a a horrible transition. Because of the, the movie that I wanted to talk about next. It's just what popped into my head next. Uh, on a such a different level, uh, we went to see the, what was it, the 25th, 20th anniversary? Of Old Boy. That's of Old Boy. Something. <laughs> um, oh, boy. Old Boy was a film <laughs> I had no. I, it was like I was. In my 20s, I was trying to impress this girl who was into artsy films. So I was like, let's try watching this. I was not prepared for the batshit craziness of this film. My 20-year-old self uh, was not prepared for this. Um, I had for there are parts of it I must have put out of my head. Because I remember, day, I remember the physical brutality of it. I did not remember how much incest was in that movie. <laughs> like, that that was like I must have blocked this out of my head because I do not remember this. Um, so, old boy from Park. What's the director's name? Hold on a second. We're gonna Google this because I always, I always mix him up with the guy who's done uh, Parasite. Yeah, and and the host and all those movies. Hold on. Hi, cat. Hello. Not, not the. Okay. Hello. But yeah, watching this while you get that information, we saw it again, because God, I didn't realize. Park Chan Wook. Park Chan Wook. It's I didn't. It's been what over twenty years. Something like that, yeah. That movie first premiered. And I have to say, the director's fucking a 
impressive. I mean, this is the yeah. second time watching this. He's he did shit in this film that just blew my mind watching it the second time around, and how well this movie had you know uh, handles itself. I mean, it's like it's it's got great staying power, and granted, it's there is a lot of uncomfortable bits. It's fucked up. You, <laughs> it, you're still enthralled by everything. It's it's interesting to me how much. So there's stuff that there's movies that like you see after twenty movie twenty years there was like that seemed like I, I encountered this actually more with music than I encountered it with movies that either movies that don't hold up or aren't as impactful. Uh, and one of the things is like they're not as visceral. Like this is just as visceral as the first time you watch it. Uh, unless you have watched it repeatedly, I don't. Unless you're some sort of weird yeah. film nerd, I do not understand how you could watch this movie. With, I mean, if you watched it more than once, how you don't have large spanses of time in which you don't watch it, because it's a lot. It's, But as you were saying, there's a couple things that I think are... I always love when a filmmaker does amazing cinematic things. And one of the reasons they uh, like the, the infamous hallway scene as is like, so what, what, you know, the interview or uh, we watched a little bit of the interview afterward. So what prompted you to shoot it that way? And uh, nine times out of 10, it comes down to, is like, we didn't have the budget to do anything else. And so much of like that type of film a lot of the greatest sequences in a lot of these films that aren't like these giant build, you know, budget films is the fact that like they just didn't have the money to do it a different and way. They were forced to be creative. Yeah. With it, you know, um, I'm like, we've the last few years we've just been like uh, spoiled with CG and big money, and to see how such a small movie did so much to inspire future films. Yeah. You know, I'm like, damn. You know, I mean, granted, it's like, obviously he didn't have, like, he didn't plan out every little thing, you no. know. There are things that they had to improvise. But the fact that, you know what, you don't need a massive amount, a massive budget to do an amazing film. And just like, there was one aspect, one part that I don't, I didn't recall seeing was the train scene with the insect. Oh, that yeah, yeah. Was, I don't remember that part when I first saw it, but seeing it a second time, I was like, wow, that's really impressive, you know, what they did there. Um, yeah, it's just like, I'm, I was just like impressed, and I just, I think I appreciated this movie way more now than I did back then when I was a uh, younger person. Yeah, the things that he did was just so impressive. And also, I think there's a certain element if you are, especially if like you're an action movie person or, cause, or anything like that, and you, when you watch a movie like this in your 20s, of course you're, you would be disturbed in your 20s. Uh, but I think there are, you, are, <laughs> you end up being disturbed on a different level <laughs> watching it now. Uh, 
Yeah, to come back to the fact that it was like, I don't think, I think maybe it was, you know, not that the brutality was shocking when I saw it originally, but it was like, that was the part that stuck out to me. That was my first Korean film. Sure. And that kind of traumatized me. Sure. Uh, um, but yeah, just like, I, and on top of that, that was, I mean, aside from The Exorcist, uh, this sure. was the first move that kind of got me in a fetal position. It was like, how could they? I mean, that movie left a mark <laughs> on me, you know, where I kind of knew, like, certain, even though it, I've, this, I've only seen it once before, there were, like, certain moments where I, I, I knew yeah. I got to close my eyes, you know, and uh, he knew how to push the envelope, you know, um, and get the audience members to feel really uncomfortable, but bravo for him. That was his Yeah, it, it's weird. As someone who watches a decent amount of horror, uh, my my toler and I think when I first saw the movie, I wa- I I'd watched hor- horror movies, but I wasn't like earlier in my life. Maybe I think in my twenties, but maybe it didn't really start until like my late twenties, early thirties, when I got into horror movies, like I wasn't, I wasn't a horror kid. I actually wasn't a, a fan of horror movies at all when I was, you know, like a teenager. Uh, except maybe like the thrill of going to see like the scream movies. Um, I wasn't like a scary movie person until later in life. So, but even then, like I don't think like. I don't. I never really had a problem necessarily with gore, and also because I've since then seen a bunch of like the gore didn't really. It was really like the fucking, the original like the the ins, when you find out what the inciting incident is, and then the way the person who's getting their vengeance gets their vengeance, is just like man, that's just that's fucked up. <laughs> that's so fucked up. Uh. And it's because it's because it's not physical brutality, you know what I mean. That for me, that is the level that makes it like even more like uh, perverse and twist. That's the part. That's the part that makes me cringe. It's not the gore element. Uh, I also think it's because, as far as like the gore element is, I've also watched too many like making of things. Where, like, I know how they do a lot of that stuff, so, like, that never... I mean, yeah, I know it's all fake, but I just forget that, and I'm just, like, in the mo- in the moment. Yeah. And just, like, the, the, the immediate act of seeing someone's doing that to themselves. Sure. Like, oh. oh. I... Al- it, also, it, it had it, the it fact that, like, here, here, here's the thing. The one thing that always gets me is eyes. Is me too, yes. Uh, the scene, I mean, spoiler, it's a 20-year-old, over 20-year-old movie, when he, like, he cuts his own cut tongue off. Which you don't, you never actually see him cut his own tongue off. Um, you just know it's happening. Uh, it's when, like, close-up of someone, like, stabbing him, or slow of someone being stabbed in the eye. I'm just like, nope, nope, nope. I get all, I, I'll start to tear. I'll just like, nah, 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 can't watch it. Uh, most other things I can handle. 
but like even in like action films like in the john wicks films like in the sec in the third one where he like you know jams into some dude's eyeball john i mean for stylized violence i can deal with sure it's a slow methodical yeah yeah. suffering that i that's why i never i did one hostile film not i watched the first hostile film and i i and i watched the first two saw movies no i watched two of the saw movies i watched the first one and either the second or the third one i can't remember hostile like i just it's hostile is just like torture porn and so are the saw movies uh hostile i would say even more is like what they call torture porn uh the first saw movie is as much as it is it is less than the later films are like torture films and it is like an actual like moral like quandary film of like okay what what is acceptable you know if you track trap two people and like you learn what their connections are and what it, it the first saw movie it's what why it ended up being a franchise and why the 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 you know is that is an element of the later films, but it's best done in the first film, the first Saw. Uh, it's actually what the first Saw film, in some ways, has in common with a movie like Oh Old Boy. I'm sure the guy who directed the first Saw movie saw Old Boy uh, because the the moral quandary and the like how how far is it acceptable if you're getting vengeance on someone, I mean, old boy takes it to an extreme of like, you know, here is the original crime quote unquote. And here's the vengeance for that crime. And it's just like, wow, the vengeance for the, it just does not match at all. (laughs) It's like a little too extreme. um, Considering, you know, no one actually murdered. I, I yeah, like to so what I will say is the short is it's a fantastic film it is not for everybody oh fuck no 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 it's not I mean if you're into Korean cinema not even weird shit not even no 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 no, no. you've got to love weird shit so yeah, yeah yeah appreciate old boy um because yeah, if you're say you can't say Korean cin- cinema because like now because the other guy whose name I'm going to look up now, the guy who's, the guy I always confused with Parker. The guy from Parasite? Yeah. He makes a different film every time he makes a film. They have similar elements in them. Uh, but, uh, but Parasite is very different from The Host, uh, which is very different from Snowpiercer, which is very different from Okja. Although they do have similar elements of like, you know, differences in class. Uh, there's usually like, there's usually a social message, quote unquote message, behind all of message. his message. Is this which? Not not the two thousand no the two thousand six the host not the two thousand thirteen the host which is terrible. Bong Joon Hoo is the guy who yes. Um, 
but yeah, it's it was it was fun, you know. Yeah. And yeah, just like I didn't. I'm assuming it's being re-released as part of Fantastic uh, Fest. Okay. Uh, which the primary thing I think is in I forget where it is. It's not here, but they're showing some of them here. Uh, and the lineup, if you look through the, it's a lot of like really low budget horror movies. There's an amazing, amazing, a movie that looks amazing. That's like a Kung Fu film that's made by like Finnish people. Um, that I think it's called, uh, I, I'd have to look it up again. It's called like the invisible fight or something. And it just looks hysterical. So this movie's being remastered. Yeah. Okay. As so. part of, like, the promotion for Fantastic Fest. It's part of the lineup for Fantastic... It's like the the headliner event for Fantastic Fest, which is this film festival... Uh, I want to say it's in, it's probably in Austin. That's where all of these things are. Uh, that just spotlights, like, really low-budget, like, horror films. Low. It's, it's basically like a low-budget, like, B-film, grind film, film festival. One thing I didn't appreciate early on, but now I do, is the cinematography yeah. of this film. I'm like, there's some shots that I know inspired a lot of other films. And the fact that, I, I don't know if he did it first or he was inspired by others, but it just, just was well put together. There's like one scene where he first comes out of a suitcase and at first you think thinking that he's about to like throw some guy out and yeah, then yeah. later on you realize it's not but just the overall shot yeah. where you see the two in um interact with each other I'm like wow that's that's pretty dope it's and it, it's got like this really great 90s flair to it sure. I don't know how to explain it but there's a style to it that kind of reminded me of like the matrix. Yeah. Um, where it's like, yeah, I, this looks pretty, pretty dope. There's just, there's a weird aesthetic to it. It's also like, this might be a, uh, a, a result of the budget or maybe the aesthetic of the director, but it's very disjointed. Like, it's it, I think part of uh, part of like what makes it so like unsettling is that the s story, the way it br runs, like visually and everything, is is it's not smooth running. That, yeah, everything is every couple. It's jarring. You know, there's these there's jarring cuts. There's jarring like time jumps in it uh yeah and i'm not sure it's hard to tell i mean maybe it was in the interview later it's hard to tell whether that was intentional or whether that was as a result of like the budget or maybe it's just the aesthetic of the director but that's also a thing it's just like uh it's also makes it like unsettling to watch because there are just these like jumps in it editing wise or just shot wise angle wise that are just like it is not what we are as an american like movie 
watching audience and there's a lot what of we're used to comfortable scenes yeah you know that i mean he was up front and saying it was on purpose you know where it's definitely purposeful but yeah there's just like yeah it's after all these years it's it's still a lot yeah, it's still a lot it's, it's still heavy it's still heavy to take in um but i have to say this you know, 20 years later for me, you know, watching this film, I mean, I'm just more impressed by it. Yeah. By what he was able to pull off. Um, and, I mean, he had a vision for it. It's quite unique, but, you know, it's quite the film. And I'll probably be another 20 years before. I watch I it again. <laughs> I'm able to watch it out. again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's not something you could do like on repeat. Like there's some things I watch all the time, like the Big Lebowski once every year. Sure. Doctor Who. But yeah, this no, no. I, I need some a few decades. Speaking of Doctor Who, you, have you read the fact that uh, new companion, the thing that's come out about the new companion, and also what who's going to be in the new season? Uh, it not in the new season, but in the new. The new like special that it's because you know they always have like a holiday special before the season starts. And uh, Donna Noble is coming back, and I, 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 and the I new seeing and the new companion is supposed to be like her kid. Oh, <laughs> I would. I'm down for that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And she did get married. Oh, I'm so happy about that. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I love that character. I, I am. I, I've been saying this for a long time. I have to get caught up. I think. I've been in a good mind space now where sure. I want to rewatch some of the like amazing stuff from the past, and I need to like go back. My plan is to go back to the Christopher and Clesson run and get caught up. I I had I, I had I'm to. Been, I have, I did not see the end of the uh, uh, Capaldi. Capaldi. Run, and then I didn't see. Like a lot. Of, here's what I'll say. Like a lot of uh, what's his name. Who was running it before the new people came uh, took over? Russell T. Not Russell, not Moffat. Like a lot of the Moffat Doctor, Paldi start start strong. There's a lot of strong stuff in there. It does not end. He he doesn't end stuff particularly well. No, the ending is the like transition of the Doctor is always great. Mm -hmm. Uh, They always do a great job of that. But as far as like wrapping storylines up. Uh, Moffat was never good at that. Um, and they never... I, st- I had to stop watching the most recent Doctor. Cause they ne- and it's I feel bad for her because they never got it together. It seemed like... I, and I, ga- I gave them a lot of episodes. And it How just, many seasons? Two, I have? think. I think two. Just two? Yeah, two, maybe three. I think it's just two, though. And it it just seemed like they never got it together. And again, it's not like there wasn't good stuff in there, but it's just they it's something about like they couldn't they couldn't figure it out, and they completely overcompensated with the companions. Uh, I I would like to think oh, that it's that was the doctor with like the billion companions has like three companions. Okay, yeah. Yeah, and it's it's I it's it's like they were it felt like they were overcome, and it's like the way the companions are like there's now f- there were four people and they felt like a like a 
a United Colors of Benetton ad (laughs) where it was just like, okay, female doctor, Middle Eastern companion, uh, who's a woman, and then her friend is, you know, this young black dude, and his uh, stepfather is also a companion, and the stepfather is an old white dude. It's just like... What, what what are you doing? What are, what? Too hard. Yeah, that was the thing. It was just like it's like what do you do? This is too much. This is too much. And some of the like, some of those characters. Uh, it's like Marvel now. So yeah, some of those companions were great. If they if you would, if it was just one of them. Yeah. Like any one of them, I think would have been fine, or any two of them would have been fine. They had an agenda, and they let the agenda. Take precedent over or 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 they didn't or they somehow I see it. I don't feel that way. I don't think it. They had an agenda. I feel like they felt like they had to have an agenda. That's the way it it felt. It felt even more artificial than having an agenda, because if they had an agenda. Like us, like okay, we have an agenda of what we're trying to do. It would have felt the writing; it would have been stilted, but it would have it wouldn't have felt as directionlessness. You know what I mean? Direction. I'm having trouble now. I'm getting tired now. Uh, but yeah, it it wouldn't have felt so unfocused if they actually had an agenda. It uh, it felt like is like. Like, oh, we have all this stuff, so maybe we have to have an agenda? Like, that was more the feeling. I was like, well, make a decision <laughs> then. If you're going to do that, then whatever. Well, it's I love the actor who's the doctor. The new guy, yeah, yeah. Amazing. Um, and pre- and appar- I've seen apparently, the pictures. It looks. He, he looks pretty styling, and I have to, I have to say, it looks a lot of. This, the uh, art department is having fun with a lot of callbacks to the old school style. I don't yeah, know if yeah. it was for one episode, but it, he looks pretty cool. And I mean, I definitely want to get caught up so like this, I'm current so I can get ready for the new season. Uh, so a couple of things uh, quickly. Uh, Warrior has been really good this season. I'm enjoying it. Yeah, yeah. you're mean, actually maybe a little bit more half more than halfway done. Okay. From what I've um, seen, it's ten episodes. I don't know what episode you were in. It's, I'm surprised. There's a lot more talking, and I'm yes, it, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the, as you said earlier, actors are being asked to do more. Yeah, <laughs> you know, it's 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 actually like this season. Yeah, they have they've stepped up from being purely like an act, like a you know a well done martial arts action show to like trying to do something more I, it weirdly even though the other show that made me think of this is you know future dystopian um show which i'm still so, super salty got canceled in his third season uh into the badlands uh started as just like this cheesy like dystopian future like martial arts show and started to get really interesting and good and weird by the third season and then it got canceled in the third season uh spoiler 
in the third season. So in Into the Badlands, one of the things they did is like there are no guns. Uh, and it's supposed to be, you get the feeling that it's either an alternate universe or it's the future and something has happened. Uh, and at the end of the third season, the teaser of what they were going to, was you finally see, like someone finds a gun, but it's like, like it's a modern gun, but it's like, it's clear that it's been, it's got like, it's completely like rusted and like falling apart. And so they go, Oh, so they're guns have been gone for a very long time in whatever this future is. And, uh, yeah, it got so, and you know, Nick Frost joined the cast in the second. It got so good. Okay. Sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. But warrior's been great. It's um, been really good. Ahsoka. Ahsoka has been I've great. I've been liking it. I've really been. I don't. I know you're more of a Star Wars fan. What's up with your people, man? What's up with what? Your people. Star Wars people? Yeah. You don't like good things, man. They are not. You don't my, like good things. They are not my people. They don't. You that don't is. Like good things. Eve. I mean, I get, Eve. I we've had. Eve. We've had. I know. We've had this discussion. No, 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 no. We've had this discussion before where I'm saying, (laughs) you say you're people. It's like, no, they're not. Those are not real Star Wars fans. Uh, They are, they are, they, they are people who have only seen the original trilogy. I'm liking, I mean. They are not extended universe. They're not even people who've watched Clone Wars. Like, fuck those people. I'm like, I, and I'm, I'm liking how, what is, I like the first two episodes, but the last episode, and especially with what the conversation between Huawei, uh, the robot, and Ahsoka about why she's taking on Sabine as her Padawan, yeah, made me. Pro- I felt that that is the best thing because I hate the Jedi. Yeah, you don't have. She's not trying to make a Jedi order, and yeah. she's trying to get her to be the best person who she is because everyone is part of the force yeah it's not just the force is not just for those people who have high midichlorian counts it's for everyone and the fact that they mentioned that and plus the unknown galaxy and the possibilities that that opens up yeah i am fucking curious about that and also there's they've set up some new stuff they've done some like there are some Deep cut, For like Rock. I'm curious about who that character is. Oh, the the new the, the guy in the mask. I don't know who that character he's is. He's an inquisitor. If if they if it was just simply an inquis- inquisitor, yeah, he wouldn't have a mask. There's something more going on. Yeah, um, that. I don't know what's. Maybe he's connected with extended universe, or maybe video games, or something like that. But he's I from just, he's. I I might be misremembering this, but he's like one of the Inquisitors left over from Rebels. Uh, I see. I think so. Yeah, I might be wrong about that. Um, I have to look back into this. Um, also, like. The by the st- way, Sabine, I heart her. Yeah. I really heart. I heart her from. As much as like rep, the first handful of seasons of Rebels was not directed towards people oh, our age is ours. Oh no 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 no! I agree. I agree. <laughs> Look, uh, mm. he, 
punky chicks who look like they could kick my ass. <laughs> Come <guess>. on. Yes. <laughs> um, so Mary Elizabeth Winstead in Scott Pilgrim. Come on. Uh, uh, scratch that. Every female character in Scott Pilgrim. <laughs> Which, by the way, is coming back animated in November. With really? Netflix, I'm assuming? Yes. Oh, with okay. It is animated in the style of the artist from the comic book. I'm hoping they do a bunch of the stuff like the Nega Scott subplot that was completely not in the movie. Uh, okay. And they got the entire cast from the movie to voice oh, their characters. Perfect. Everybody. like Including, like... And when I say everybody, I mean, like, they got... Jason Schwartzman, Chris Evans, uh, the entire cast. Wait, Chris Evans was in Scott. Yeah. I gotta. Re- I only saw it in theater, so I have to rewatch. He that. plays the the second uh, Evil X, Lucas Lee. Okay, I gotta rewatch that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Brandon Ruth, uh, Breer Larson. Um, who else? Uh, God. Anna Kendrick, Michael Sarah, Aubrey Plaza, Ellen Wong, Allison Pill, like, yeah, they, it's every like every Mary Elizabeth Wynn, but everybody who was in the movie is now voicing their characters oh, in the cartoon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. they brought everybody back. <laughs> like it's, which is a testament, I think, to how number one, like, uh. Because universally, because they did like a 20th, they also did like a 20th anniversary or something of that movie where they brought a bunch of the cast members back to like do like a panel and like not everybody was at, but the general consensus is that everybody loved doing that. <laughs> it wasn't, a, it was ostensibly a flop. It was a cult film, became a cult film, but it was a cult, kind of a cult comic book too. Um, but just like everybody was just like, from what I've heard, and when they were bringing I'm them glad back, they're doing that again with the original cast. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's and it's animated, and what makes me excited about it that it's animated is like I said, they might do address some of the stuff that they was in the comic book that they had to leave out for the movie, okay. uh, and a lot of it has to do with the fact that Scott Pilgrim is actually, uh, until the end of the film, until the end of the comic book is actually a super shitty person and okay. and the one of the, the things that have, in the comic book is him actually dealing that's who nega scott is so i've i think i've talked about this before but in the comic in the movie he, nega scott just shows up at the end i don't even recall who that is the, it's a like the negative image version of michael Sarah, okay. and it's like oh no nega scott it's like a video game, like your evil doppelganger. Oh, okay. Okay. Uh, and you don't see them fight in the movie, and then they, they just, like, cut, and then they're just kind of talking afterward. And then I was just like, oh, what happened? And Ellen Wong is like, what happened? It's like, oh, he's a cool guy. We're, we're going to get pancakes or whatever. And they, they just play it off. In the comic book, Nega Scott is an entire subplot. And Nega Scott is, there's this whole running joke in the comic book of whenever someone brings up Scott's previous relationships, he either has like this weird, like idealized version of it, or he, he says, I can't remember. And the reason why he keeps saying like, I can't remember 
is because all of the stuff, all of the times he was shitty, like shitty to women or just a shitty person, or he like he acted like a immature or whatever, he's put them all out of his head and they've grown into this entire separate being that is Nega Scott. And Nega Scott is a literal physical representation of all the shitty things that Scott, all the shitty things about Scott Pilgrim that he refuses to face about himself. And the reason why he needs to fight Nega Scott is he needs to face all the shitty things about himself, including all the shitty ways he was to women in the past. Like, yeah, and it's like, I hope they, okay. I hope they bring that in because it, it like, if you rewatch Scott Pilgrim, as fun as that movie is, you're like, oh, Scott Pilgrim's... I mean, it's only two hours. They, yeah, yeah. They couldn't do everything, so I'm sure they'll have more time. This one of the things in show. that movie that does not hold up at all uh, is that you realize, I was like, oh, man, Scott Pilgrim's kind of a shithead. And they never really addressed the fact that he's kind of a shithead. <laughs> like, he's the hero, and also, like, the guy who he's supposed to be... Luke, uh, the guy is Jason Schwartzman's character is also shitty. And, again, one of the things that happens in the comic books is, like, Scott at one point goes, oh, I think I understand you, man. Like, it's like, now that I've faced all the shitty parts of my... You're, you're the... This is what the kind of person you become when you have a lot of power and money and you never face up to the shitty parts of yourself. You become an even shittier person <laughs> with power. <laughs> like, and none of that is addressed in the movie. And it's, like I said, one of the things about the, the original film, as much as I love that movie, that, like, if you watch it now, it's like, that's actually... Main character is, like, a shitty womanizer who's kind of dating a minor in his 20s. Like, that's... Um, they, they make a joke of it in the movie. Again, it's one of those things that in the comic book, they kind of, like... Uh, she turns 18 and there's a whole thing of like he awkward is like we should have casual sex and they like make out and it's like and they, they don't they don't have sex she turns 18 he's no longer attracted to her like uh, uh, Leonardo DiCaprio you know what, what happens is like they actually like because like she's still kind of in love with him is like they, they attempt to make out and the panel like afterward is like and it was terrible for everyone <laughs> <laughs> it's just like, oh, this is actually horrible. Why are we doing this? Yeah, it's. Um, but. Ahsoka. Yes, yeah, sorry. <laughs> Massive tangent. Great. Yeah. Um, I, the action. I didn't like the whole space thing, even though she's done. The character has done that in the past. Sure. In, uh, Clone Wars. But I mean, it looks cool. There's just stuff you can do in animation that you can't do. Um, it doesn't look as cool. <laughs> it's in live action. But I think I could see the potential for expanding Star Wars yeah. beyond the conflict between Jedi versus Sith. Well, also, yeah. like, whoever the, the guy who Ray Stevenson plays is apparently a Jedi who's he's not a Sith. As evident, I mean, people made a big deal about it. like they're orange, they're wielding orange lightsabers, so they're not Sith. They're also not Jedi. They were former Jedi. Yeah. Been corrupted. But I've also heard that there's a possibility that he may have a connection with 
the Clone Wars where his potentially his former master was Plo Koon. Sure. Um, and there's an obvious connection because Plo Koon is the one who rescued um, Ahsoka Tano yeah. from her village and got her to join sure. the Jedi um, Brotherhood or cult. There's also, um, I just love like, the, the deep cuts, like the fact that, what's her name, who Ana Santo is playing Dana Santo's daughter. I can't remember her name. She she's playing like uh Morgan Elsbeth. Elizabeth. Morgan Elizabeth. Uh that night she sister? What? That she's a night sister? Yes. Which is a Dagomir. The night sister because of the video games. Uh she's a which is a Dagomir, Dagathamir or whatever. Yeah, yeah, they're from Clone Wars. They're <laughs> uh that's like a whole like weird and a different part of the force. Yeah, dark, yeah, they're it's they're, still uh, the dark aspect of the force but it's wielded differently it is it's 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 strange because star wars star wars does have a weird mysticism but they really lean into this further in clone wars and not at all in any of the movies or shows yet so the fact that she's a former one of those is like so it's it's like i said i don't even know how to what the analogy i I was gonna try and make an analogy to like a different universe i was like i can't even because it's they use the force, but it's not. It's weird, like because you say that like the dark side of the force, y- even in Clone Wars, it's it's sort of unclear whether they're really using like the dark side of. They do use the dark side of force, but whether they're like inherently like quote unquote not, evil I mean, or not. I mean, I, when I say dark side, it doesn't mean evil per se yeah i mean there's some of i mean as evidence because i know pants would know about this because of the video games there's a night sister character that helps a jedi out you know she uses um the night sister magic yeah but she's not inherently a bad guy so so although i don't understand is the connection with her character and the empire the Empire fucked over the Night Sisters. Yeah. So w- that I just don't understand. Why is she trying to help Thrawn? Uh, there's I it it's there's some because I I don't I didn't I know a lot of the stuff that happened in Rebels, but I didn't finish Rebels, so I don't know exactly what happens at the end. Uh, with uh, Cade, not Cade. Um, the two Jedi in Rebels. Um, like I said, I'm starting to get tired, so <laughs> the names oh. are Kanan. Kanan, thank you. Uh, Kanan. I know he's dead. Okay. Uh, but I don't know exactly like the circumstances because I haven't quite okay. gotten it. Uh, also there there might be a relationship between uh her character and Thrawn that is in Rebels. I don't know because I, I haven't gotten to that. It's also implied in the show that, not in Rebels, but in Ahsoka, that, like, however she might be previously connected to, like, uh, the witches, she's she's in it now. There, there's some power play that she's trying to make. My guess, I got the assumption that maybe the Night Sisters didn't originate from this galaxy. 
but the galaxy from where Thrawn is currently is right now. They it's in, it's implying in Clone Wars also that they're like the reason why like they're not exactly they're not Sith they're not exactly evil is is that like they use the Force differently because they're not from this galaxy. Yeah. So they like. And also, like, that their values are different, yeah. And it's and it's the reason why the Empire fucks them over is because they're actually, they might have actually been a threat. Okay. Um, and also, like, the Jedi weren't great to them. He, one of the things, like I said, the Clone Wars, I think it's why the quote-unquote Star Wars fans is that one of the things that Ahsoka now is doing that also Andor did was just, like, inserting gray areas where they don't they don't they don't like the gray they don't like like I've I've always said like a more is always gonna be that simple a morally complicated Star Wars is a better Star Wars in my opinion and haven't been that many and the people and the people who claim to be and I've said like I said over when you said your people like they're not my people because I don't consider those people Star Wars fans I was like grill into any of those people I doubt any of them have because the people who watched Clone Wars and the people who watched Rebels are super excited still about this Wars show. Star Wars expanded yeah. Star Wars into something that I care about. Yeah. You the know. people who claim to be Star Wars film that fans who say that this stuff is like Ahsoka is ruining Star Wars aren't real Star Wars fans because all their their only frame of reference is, is three original. is three movies. Not even like nine movies. Three movies, because those people, same people, were upset about the new trilogy, which had its own problems unrelated to what their complaints were. But I'm just like, it's like, no, you fucking dipshits, you're not Star Wars fans. You only you're claiming to be fans. You're fans of the original three movies. Great that in this in the Star Wars, the way we understand it now, there's been a lot of shit that has come out. And a lot of shit that has come out before Lucas sold off the rights. Clone Wars was before he sold off the rights. Like, and he was involved. He was involved. Yeah. I mean, all of the stuff from Clone Wars was developed, not just the Dave Filoni. Dave Filoni worked hand-in-hand with George Lucas yeah. in developing a lot of the characters. So, I mean, yeah. I, the breadcrumbs that Filoni is laying down I'm liking yeah. the fact that there's a possibility of more Star Wars beyond the Palpatines, the Skywalkers and Jedi versus Sith and the fact that the Purgils were featured in live action yeah yeah, yeah. That, like, that maybe, I like uh, that too and if the Purgils are real and their connection with the Force that means the Lothwolves could potentially have an appearance here. And it just like expands the whole connection with, you know, it's not just Jedi and Sith. It's like any living being is technically entwined with the Force and can wield some aspects. So so we were talking about Sabine Wren. I love her character on Rebels. It's, but, and I also think just like. I didn't like her in the first episode. It's fine. Uh, she was annoying. She should have stayed on the fucking ship. Yeah, but but that's that's 
the fact that if you know her character from her, the fact that she didn't blow more shit up, which is like her thing, like, oh. like, like wiring things and making them explode. That's like her thing in Rebels is like, you know, hot wiring cars and like, you know, and like her whole aesthetic is totally like Riot Girl punk. And then like I when I saw like not knowing the actress, but like seeing it, I was like, oh, the cat casting is fucking perfect. Like I love Rosario Dawson as as like all of the casting in this is I can't wait to see the guy who they've gotten to play Thrawn. Like, it's just... Oh, you know the guy. I know. I Yeah, I do. Just, I mean, he's just the guy from Sherlock. He's yeah. pretty much reprising his role, yeah. except he's in blue. Yeah. And that fucking character was sinister. As fuck. Yeah, yeah. Oh. That's what I'm saying. I was just like, I was just like, they're, they're... The casting is great so far. It's just... And then more David Tennant. Oh, gosh. Yeah. I just love him just, like, cutting Sabine down. Uh... A few pegs. Also, uh, uh, I I haven't watched. I've been I've been savoring it because I haven't watched the last like episode yet. I've been loving Good Omens season two. <laughs> I haven't finished it because I'm not gonna say a word. I when you watch it, we have to pod. Okay, okay. I I, I which is why I'm saying like because I'm tired. I'm gonna say like briefly. I've been loving it. I I've been deliberately what episode are you in? the episode right before the last one. I've been putting it off just because, like... I, you shouldn't. Yeah. Uh, okay. Delay. Okay. Delay. Okay. Fair enough. Uh, I, and I am convinced they... they. I, I, I am very curious to see what you thought. Okay. The they... Uh, in time. All right. It doesn't matter. I don't really have to be up that early tomorrow. Um... There was, there's no reason for them to have a second season because there's no second book. But I think they, they did it just because they just they became such good friends. Tennant <laughs> and Michael Jean. have amazing chemistry. They have amazing chemistry. I, I just yeah. love watching these two fucking assholes bicker all the time. Did it's you, just amazing. Did you, did you watch any of Scripted or whatever that show on YouTube? No. I, I know about it. but It's great. It's great. It. It's the same thing, but they're playing themselves. Like it's a, it's like the and then they have the guest stars that like come in and fuck with them some more. All the guest stars are like playing themselves. Judy Dench pops in one time. Really? Yeah, yeah, it's really funny. Um, yeah, that show is great. I'm just like this second season is. I know we don't deserve it, but I'm glad that we have it. You know, because just more of them and the fact that you know. The, I think the like this, I said the the only reason I think it exists is because, I mean. Terry Pratchett passed, uh, so it's obvious there wasn't going to be another Good Omens. But Neil is still very heavenly, heavily involved. And I think, like, the three of them just all were just had such a blast doing the first season. And, and they became, all three of them, I think, became so, like, tight that it was just like, oh, we got to do more of this. We gotta come up with something, and I was like, "Oh, look, we we still have Neil Gaiman. He could he could just come up with more shit." And it's a nice, tight story. Nothing big, nothing the end of the world, and it's just an examination of their relationship. And it just it's it's quite the ending. Okay. It's quite the ending. Uh, I will finish Hijack. I I was dig- digging Hijack. 
I haven't finished it because I didn't. Uh, no, I haven't. It's just like I did not think too much of it, but I was like, it just Elva. I'll check it out. Sure. And, you know, I've been on an Apple TV, you know, kick right now because I've been liking some of the. I've been coming back. I've been coming back to it. Um, Foundation. I'm starting to enjoy that. And I'll, I'll get, get to that. I'll get to that invasion. eventually. And I enjoyed Invasion is like a okay sci-fi sure. movie. It has a sci-fi TV show, but. It was fun. Um, so I tried it out, and my gosh, it's like, it's fucking riveting. Uh, I'm just like, yeah, how, how many episodes are you in on Hijack? Uh, I think I'm a little over half. Half, okay. Um, and I just like have everything is like technically in real time of the flight. It's. I, to to come back, when I was talking about like Jonathan, Jonathan Hickman and like Mr. Sinister, uh, it's an. I like when they don't dumb down stuff for the audience, or what you have a lot of times in. If it's like a thriller or like you know hijacking, you're used to like a big action thing, or at least that's what I'm used to watching. I thoroughly enjoy where people are getting by by being smart. And by actually, like, thinking out, you know, even if it seems like, you know, the cowardly or, like, oh, you're betraying people. It's like, no, 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 he's he's playing the long game. Uh, and I, I haven't watched the whole thing. I was just like, okay, there's just something about him. I understand that they're saying, like, they send him. They were very cryptid about, like, they send him in to, like, negotiate stuff. Yeah, it's just, like, he's good at yeah. Things get complicated. Yeah. In this show, uh, more complicated than I thought. Yeah. And it works. I've gotten to the point where the the lady who everyone thought was sick has now shot the pilot. I'm I'm that far in. So things have already got. Yeah, I did not either. Um, although I didn't see it coming, but now that I'm like, oh yeah, that kind of makes sense. She's a ringer who they put on the plane, like the, the the actual gangsters, in case the people who they, the other people they sent end up doing what they do, which is kind of chickening out you know, on some level. Yeah. Yeah, I just appreciate when, like, it's, you know, people who are supposed to be smart actually acting, doing smart things, which means that the writers are actually smart. Um I always appreciate that, like, in an action film, in comic books, it was just like, it was like, if your character, we talked about this before, it was like, if your villain is supposed to be a genius, like, actually have, do the research, if they're supposed to be do it, good at something, have them actually be good at it, <laughs> like, don't write stuff that kind of just sounds like they're good, so that they can sound like they're good at whatever they're doing, um, like if they're supposed to be an evil genius, be a genius. Like right, yeah, yeah, just stupid and evil. Yeah, um, yeah. That was that's been that's been great. I'm excited about that. What else? Uh, and we just briefly, just the happiness that is Ted Lasso, and and the the heartbreak, but also happiness that was the end of Ted Lasso. I don't think it was heartbreak. Not heartbreak. Heartbreak isn't the right word for it it's more 
because the whole point of the show is the fact that he was not in a good mind. mind no, space, you know, and it's, it's a show that got also got progressively better as it got uh, more serious, still funny, but more serious. And I never thought about that. I mean, you've always talked about like toxic masculinity. You yeah. Know? Being overly positive is also an issue. You know, yeah. you can't just laugh things out. You know, you can't, Th- you, you have to address some of the major issues that, you know, that you're dealing with. You can't just like joke, joke it all away. Yeah, yeah. Um, and the fact that, you know, it's not meant to be overly negative. You know, it's a positive show. And you learn a thing or two about soccer and Premier League soccer. Yeah. Um, and it just like it works out really well. And God damn it, Hannah Waddington is a fucking goddess. Gosh. She's I mean, she's she's. I mean, it's like I, when I first saw like the first episode, I'm like, this is the chick from Krypton. What is she doing? Yeah. Here? And then my gosh, I feel bad that she was associated with that TV show. She does <laughs> yeah. not deserve that. Yeah, um, and because she's a fucking amazing actor, she is, and and uh, and has and can fucking belt, what can belt out a fucking tune too? Damn, she was, yeah, she's got quite the voice. Uh, she's amazing. Uh, I appreciate so a couple things that I just wanted. To, I I and like I said, I think we talked about this, but I don't know if we talked about it on a podcast. Is one of the things that I appreciate, aside from just the general, just like positive vibe, which is was intentional and like very much a goal on the show, is like even when they're n- it is a show that models uh, positive relationships, healthy relationships, and that healthy doesn't necessarily mean always happy. But, like, one of the biggest things that I appreciated about Ted Lasso was was the h- how much communication of your feelings, even if they're negative or if they're going to mean you're going to have a fight, is, like, understanding that sometimes having the fight is healthy. <laughs> like, sometimes having expressing a negative emotion if you're in a relationship – a, like modeling healthy, you know, romantic relationships, modeling healthy friendships, healthy friendships, so important. Yes. Healthy male friendships, just like I mean, you don't. I mean, the whole diamond dogs, yes, super cheesy, but god damn it, it's like it's perfect. I know? and I love the other thing I want to say is I love beards. <laughs> I love that. I love. You think about that episode of him <laughs> after the loss. Oh uh, wait, that that beard centric episode I think in season is one of my favorite episodes. <laughs> I was like, what the fuck am I watching again? And the shit that he gets himself in. Yeah. Oh, beard. I love. I also I. Uh, weirdly, it it's it's like the fact that that Walter and the dude are friends. And then you find out later, like how they became so tight when he goes to see Nate. Beard explains to Nate, who is like, he he, like basically like housed me when I was in a like I was in rehab or whatever, and he took me in, and it was just like, uh, and that was like what I, what I like when the show like, it's like comedy comedy, and it's like, and then you, it's like, oh, here's all the damage, 
<laughs> just behind everybody. <laughs> I mean, like, dude, I have fucking cried throughout multiple episodes in the last few seasons in terms of like the shit with Jamie and his dad. Yeah, that hit me. Um, fuck, you know, um, Hannah Waddington's character and dealing with fucking Rupert yeah. all the time and the fact that he's just like as an abuser how low-key horrible people can be yeah you know it's not just like cursing you out it's not just raising a fist there are other ways people can be so sinister and toxic to and just and just how terrible and on top of that just the whole the friendship between Hannah and Jen, uh, what, what the feel, um, Jamie Tart's ex. Her name will come to me in a second. Yeah, just yeah. the fact that they're. It's also a J. That's why I think we're fucking we're, supportive of each other. Yeah, through the highs and lows, the fact that and also the fact that like they're not they're not two people who in the st- at the start you would think would become as tight as they end up being. Because uh, I was gonna, I just envisioned the show having like archetypes, you know, this is the boss that's always going to be mean, you know, this and how she would always keep the employees at a distance. But the fact that she opened up, she grew as a person. Um, and the fact that she had a fucking great ending, you know, yeah. Um, I love that. And the fact that that, w- that one off episode in Amsterdam did connect. I didn't see that coming, but I'm glad that, she had a happy ending. And that guy was so fucking, so fucking Dutch. He reminded me of the, because that's, that's very much a, like, it's played for comedy a lot of times. Like, like, uh, Jillian Anderson's, uh, has the brief fling yeah. with the, the other guy who was, Norway, Finland, all like the Northern European, they all have the Finns I've heard. And like the Dutch have this like thing where they're just like, Really brutally weird, honest. brutally honest, really weird sense of humor, like dark sense of humor, but like, yeah, like we would call it brutally honest, but it's just like, there's a, it is, but it's also like, from what I've heard, it, it's, uh, it's not the cultural norm for us, so we're not used to, but for them, it's actually like, if you if you're actually hurt by what they say, like they'll actually back up and be like compassionate about it. Like the brutal honesty is actually it's not coming from um it's not this ugly thing that we often have in in this country of like oh I'm just telling the truth you can't handle it I'm kind of telling the truth. It's more like I'm being brutally honest with you because this is the best thing. This is the most healthy thing to be doing right now. <laughs> Uh, and not sugarcoating things, you know. Yeah. Just like laying that out there. Uh, and also, like, it is better that you hear this directly like this than us. It there will be less drama. There will be less drama later on if, if we all just get this out of the way right now. <laughs> uh. Um. And yeah, just like the entire cast, the the players. Yeah. Um. And yeah, I mean, just and specifically when I say players, just like the 
the rivalry between Jamie and Roy Kent. Yeah. And how that transformed into not only admiration, but like kind of like a brotherhood. Yeah. You know, towards the, la- the last and final season. Um, I just, that is one relationship I loved a yeah. lot. Um, and oh, Keely. Thank you. Yes. Uh, Keely Jones. Keely. Um, and I, Roy Kent's niece. She's fucking adorable. Yeah. Just, it's just, just a great show. Uh, and to bring it like full circle, just because I've talked about the X-Men a lot, is so one of the themes of Ted Lasso, the X-Men, and Guardians of the Galaxy and a lot of the really good like things is comes down to uh choice chosen family you know it's not about the you know Jamie Tarr it's it's not about his dad his real dad although that kind of even that kind of resolves itself in the end like he goes to visit him in the yeah well his father is in rehab yeah towards i think towards yeah. the end yeah uh but that Family, even if you, you know, you have your actual biological family, but a lot of times, like, your your closest family is the family you choose. Yeah. And that's a big, th- like, it's a huge theme. Uh, and a theme that they've yet to really, in any of the movies, the movies, at least, in the two, weirdly, in the two X-Men, most recent X-Men shows, they've kind of addressed it, where it's just like, no, we're here because this is this is a family, and this is the family that we chose, because our family, our actual families, kind of suck. Uh, weirdly, Le- Legion and uh, the Gifted are both kind of about like biological family. The Gifted, the Gifted was an X Men, sh- uh, a not an X Men show. It was an X Men show because anytime you have mutants, it's peripherally an X Men show. Uh, it was on Fox. Uh, was it after Legion? Or I think it was. I, I think it might have started concurrent with Legion, and it was on Fox proper. It wasn't on FX. Oh, okay. Uh, and in that version of the X Men universe, the X Men mysteriously had vanished, and it was heavily implied. This was around when Logan came out as well and it was implied that whatever happened in to the x-men in the past in logan uh that professor x may or may not have been responsible for they never directly say it but it's kind of implied that that's the same thing that happened in the gifted so the main x-men aren't around but mutants are still around and the set like the sentinel program is like both expanded and gotten smaller like the robots have gotten smaller but the actual program is more wide-ranging uh and it's got a lot of like sea level mutants in it like the main characters are like uh james proudstar so like warpath oh okay blink is a character uh dreamer is a character who's a really that's like so it's a it's a lot of polaris Dreamer, different character. <laughs> yeah, 
it is some like they pull some like C level like two of the main characters are are the uh not the Strucker twins uh the Fenris twins like I said it this is it's deep cut X Men characters <laughs> uh but yeah it was only on for like two or three seasons it it was decent uh it did. It was it was up against the Flash in its prime, okay. so way more people were tuning in to the CW to watch the Flash, and the Gifted was Fox trying to compete with the Flash, and this was like came out like season three of the Flash, and there was no way they were competing. Everyone was, I even I was live tweeting both shows at the time and. People were watching and digging the gift. It was just like, I wish more people were watching this show, but everyone's, they knew. They were just like, everyone's, we know everyone's watching The Flash and watching this during the commercial. We know that's what's happening, but like, it was a show that had a lot of potential and just like never actually. It didn't have potential. It was on Fox. Yeah. No, but that's what I mean. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, Um, But yeah, where were we? Ted Lasso, Chosen Family. Um, Yeah. Really solid show, um, and just like glad it was free. Yeah, you know, a show like that just for three seasons. Normally, you don't see shit like that happen, but I'm glad that Apple of all companies would be the ones that would get the show to work. And it was, I don't think it would have been made in other, it was a weird, as you have described. A weird zeitgeist of a show where it was a, it was, I mean, it was on Apple TV and not everybody has Apple TV plus, but it was a super positive feel good show that was really good and happened to come out where when a lot of people really, really needed a positive feel good show that was also really high quality and really well written and, you know, funny and all of that like so yeah it's that's one of the shows that i will watch at least once a year because it just gets me the yeah i'll probably i've now watched the darts scene a handful of times when i when i have access to apple tv plus and i will eventually catch up on strange new worlds i'll get to that musical episode and we can talk about that at a later episode uh yeah, there's some there's some exciting things coming out. Uh, some things that I haven't finished, like Ahsoka. Uh, things coming out in the fall, like the Scott Pilgrim thing that I'm super excited about. Expendables uh, four. I'm I'm waiting for a review. Yeah, not exactly. I'm not super excited, excited about it. Excited or clamoring to see it. We'll we'll see. I mean, yeah, yeah, I like Jason Statham, but Meg. I forgot what her name is. I don't know why she's in it. I don't even think she's a good actor. So, or even like an action actress. I'm not that excited for it. It's it's, it's not old people doing violent shit. I'm. Then it's not for me. It's it's got it's got the main guy from the raid in it, but it looks like they're oh, not. Oh, yeah. okay, never mind. All right, no, it, there's a reason why I'm watching it. It's got two. It's got two no, other no, reasons. No, yeah, it's it's uh and and it's got Tony Jaw in it, so it's like, it's 
I don't I don't think that either of them are going to be utilized particularly well. Uh, <laughs> they're getting paid, so yeah, they're they're get collecting a paycheck. It's fine. Related uh, movie or TV show, but you know what? It was in the cards for them. Yeah, what are you gonna do? Oh, and and apparently season two of Wheel of Time is coming soon. Really? Yeah. Okay. I mean, like really soon. It might actually be. Or it might already be out. We have not spoken about that show. We. I think we did. No, we did. We did. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It is very good. (laughs) I I enjoyed it. I mean, I wish Lord of the Rings was as good as Wheel of Time. But what are you gonna do? No one gives a shit about it. Yeah, it's 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 no. What they 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 made the mis- They we talked about this. The fact is, like, you didn't you 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 went the Tolkien route when like no 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 no. The guy who got it right was the guy who understood that Tolkien didn't know how to write characters. <laughs> and for the Amazon one you actually went deeper into the fact that Tolkien didn't know how to write characters. He knew how to create archetypes and, and like races of people and worlds, which is to be fair to the Amazon Lord of the Rings. They did very well, but they forgot the fact that it was like, Oh no, you're going to need to fix the fact that Tolkien couldn't write characters that were compelling Go back, and if anyone who disagrees with me, go back and actually read the fucking Lord of the Rings books. There are no actual, there aren't characters in there. Like, the characters aren't compelling. They're just, they're, yeah. Uh, They're all, like, sort of character archetypes in whatever race they've been placed in. You know, according to, like, whatever the precepts of what an elf is supposed to be. It was like, okay, this is how... Legolas deviates slightly from what all the other forest selves are like. Uh, all, all I don't care what anyone says. All the hobbits are interchangeable in the book. Even Frodo and Sam, like, is like, nope, nope. I, I, I understand that they. It's like no, but they have different characters. Blah 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 blah. And they, yeah, go back and actually read those books. You could have, you could have just exchanged their names. Uh, and just said, these are what the, this is, because literally the way Tolkien writes is like, this is what their character is like. This is what their personality is like. There isn't like actual language of like, that makes you actually feel that the characters have any real emotions. And also none of the female characters are actual characters. R R one isn't even really a character in in the books. Like Peter Jackson took Arwen from the books and made her into an actual character with an actual like dramatic emotional arc with uh Arag- Aragon in the fucking movie. That's an entire subplot they created entirely for the movies. Uh yeah, and it made them actually both into three-dimensional characters, which they were not in the books. Even Aragon, not there are no three-dimensional characters. Again, fuck you, whatever. Go back and reread those books. Well, there are no three-dimensional characters in those books. If they do something with this franchise, considering they haven't got a lot of money into it, yeah. they're going to have to fix something. 
Like I, tr- I, dude, I, I trudge through. You, you know me. I'll trudge through some horrible shit. I, I, I and look. It's I, a pretty show. It's gorgeous. I the money just smokes HBO when it comes to the budget. Yeah, but I'm sorry, HBO had character. Yeah, I thoroughly enjoy The Witcher, even though that show is not great. And again, I Can't will, I, I, I will say again. Replace him with Liam Hemsworth. It will not make any difference to the show. Like I said, I'll say it again. Anyone who made a big deal. Everyone else in that show is better than Henry Cavill. Is a better actor than Henry Cavill. You just need a big dude who can grunt. And like look cool and hot swinging a sword. That's all you need for that character. Based on what that show is. The way that show is. I, I think that the, both some of the people who watch that show and the show itself are trying to pretend that that show is like prestige drama like Game of Thrones, and it is not. It's not. It's fun, but it's not prestige. It's, it's well, not prestige drama fantasy. It's not prestige anything. Um, it's, it makes shows that gets eyeballs interesting, yeah. but it's... Nothing prestigious. In fact, a lot of the actors they get onto their shows aren't the best. Yeah, sure. Um, although there's a show that I just started watching, who is Aaron Carter? Okay, it's interesting spy. I'm not sure if it's spyish, but it's in keeping with like me, a teacher who happens to have a mysterious past. Um, Bloodhounds. In that's the that's the show. It's a Korean show. Two boxers who end up becoming like enforcers for like a debt thing, uh debt collector. Uh and takes place during the pandemic. Oh. Uh and it's uh like based on like all these like debt co- debt collectors who like ran ran scams and created scams and took advantage of people during the pandemic and it's it's very it's mostly worth it because the the fight scenes with the two boxers are great when they start like beating people up. They're great fight sequences and they're kind of lovable. The two main characters. One is like kind of like uh, sort of like a hoodlum sort of type character, like a wise guy type character. And the other one is like super like straight laced, like uh, and they make, they were both in the Marines and they make friends because they have a boxing boxing match together and like yeah it's 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 really fun it's in korean though just <laughs> but it's a lot of fun okay i need to i need to that's that's it that's it for now right. i'm sure we forgot something no 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 definitely not yeah yeah all right all right sign out